Believe me, eternity in the company of Beelzebub and all his hellish instruments of death will be a picnic compared to five minutes with me and this pencil. Jagaloons, jerks and variations thereupon, this is Modern Escapism. Hello and welcome to the show. As always, I am the Prince of Pricks Oodles and today I am joined by, he wouldn't batter an eyelid to stealing chocolate from a child, it's Stig. I wouldn't. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Get too close and she'll put chewing gum in your hair, it's candy machine. Also true. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> At school they called him the king of wedges, it's Biggie. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and finally, if we say he's a jerk, he'll just edit it out, it's Gadget. Uh, it's also true. <laughs> Before we proceed, I want to let you know that we have a Patreon. I know regular listeners know this by now, but we've been doing some exciting things on our Patreon. Um, me and Stig recently just dropped our first Loki uh, spoiler cast. A lovely little 45-minute chatter about it weekly. We're going to do six of those. Um, I enjoyed it. Did you, Stig? Yeah, I loved it. I loved doing stuff like yeah. that. Nice to get a bit nerdy. So please, please have watched most of the MCU and Loki before you listen to that episode. Yeah. It's a very low barrier to entry. Just <laughs> yeah. tw- 22 films and two TV series. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> three, Crack on, people. Come on. Three TV series. Yeah, we do, oh, we, do, we do say this from the get-go. Mm. So if you carry on listening and you haven't watched stuff, be at your own uh, peril. Absolutely. And obviously we have got uh, Do Dragons Dream of Scots Sheep on there now. Um, yeah. You will be uh, ready for episode two, I believe. If, if you're a patron, if you're a patron rather, by the time this comes out, you uh, episode two will already be up because that comes out a few days early on Patreon. Oh, God, what a, what a deal. What a deal. And I was spoiling you. Unbelievable. And episode two is a banger. Trust me, I'm on it. I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> you remember it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the patrons on there. I mean, mainly it's to, it's to support us, what we do, and to make this hobby become more of a uh, substantial body of work. Uh, it helps the network thrive, and especially like Gadget doing five-hour edits and Stig just becoming an editor overnight. It, it, it helps us all, and it keeps us striving for more exciting things. All the details are there in the show notes. So please, please help us. All right? <laughs> and we get you on comic relief. Yeah, <laughs> I felt like I had to sign up for the Patreon for a second then. I, was like, oh. I mean, you can. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get it back. <laughs> but yeah, so as we do, without further ado, um, Gadget, what have you been up to? Um, it hasn't been the most eventful of weeks, but I've got a couple of things I want to talk about. Uh, first of all, I want to give a shout out um, to a streamer, a very good friend of mine, uh, and he's written into the pod a few times, uh, One Line Derek. Mm. Uh, he recently came back to streaming recently, and he's just made affiliate. So I kind of oh, wanted to, sig- to um, signal boost him because his streams are a lot of fun. He's a really, really nice guy. He's got the most wild energy that I've, I've ever seen of a streamer. Um, 
and he's and he, if you go in there and subscribe to him, he's he has a, a challenge thing where basically you, you get to give him a minute long challenge. Oh. So I, I I asked him when I subscribed to him, I asked him to uh, talk like Macho Man Randy Savage for a full minute <laughs> <laughs> while he was while he was playing Mario Maker Two. Is he a, a Nintendo guy? Uh, he's a, he's a bit of everything guy, but yeah, he's been streaming a lot of um, uh, Mario Maker recently, um, a lot of Switch games. I, I think when he first came back to stream, and the first thing I watched him play was Untitled Goose Game, and he just giggled his way throughout it. Lovely. So, um, he does stream at ungodly hours because he is American, so it's like one in the morning when I'm watching him stream. But everything gets uploaded to his YouTube anyway, so it's it's definitely worth watching him. He's he's a lot of fun, and he's a really lovely guy. Get on that, listeners. Get on it. Uh, I started listening to another D and D podcast because I ran out of Dungeons and Daddies. Uh, so I started this one called Severed Sons, which is um, for people who are into D and D. That one is. Unlike a lot of D and D podcasts I listen to, or the one we create, um, they're they're actually using a source book. They're not you creating their own world for it. So they're playing ah. through Rime of the Frost Maiden, uh, which is a very famous D and D source book. Uh, and I'm about four episodes into it, and so far I I, I really rate it. Um, I'll probably have more words to say about it further down the line, but uh, yeah, give Severed Sons a listen. That's really good. Nice. I'm impressed um, you finished the Dungeons and Dads one. I'm- Way behind on that already, just oh, I, because of time. He never takes his headphones off. No, I, I, I literally do. My headphones are on me all the time. But yeah, I did uh, in the space of a year. I did Dungeon Dads, and then in the space of two and a half months, I did Dungeons and Daddies. Wow! Um, just because I love that shit so much. Wow! Um, but the main thing I want to talk about was um, Stig and I played through Hive Busters, uh, the Gears Five DLC. Oh, you did. The other day. Yeah, uh, with our with our good friend and um, serial essay writer, Deadbeat Punk. Mm. <laughs> If you haven't played it before, um, it is DLC for Gears 5, which I've talked about on the pod before. Um, it is a short, it's like a two, it, it took us two and a half hours to get through the whole thing. It's a three player co op adventure in the Gears universe, which I think is supposed to bridge the gap between Gears 5 and Gears 6. Um, it takes you away from the kind of the, the normal kind of grey drudgery of um, most Gears of War environments <laughs> and takes you to a tropical island. Um, story-wise, it's absolute bobbins. It's bullshit. It's silly, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's it's not that it's silly. It's that it's trying to tell a story that needs seven hours in three hours. Mm. Um, like you start off with these three characters. They initially they don't like each other very much at the start of it. The heel turn for them becoming brothers and doing the big um within three hours. Yeah, within within, <laughs> within three hours. That yeah, that they get they become very close and within the space of three hours. I'm just like. No, no, no! Like in the cutscene before the one where you said you're my brother, um, you hated each other. So it's just like it us when we first started recording. Yeah, but it does some fun things. It's nice to have proper three player in it because when you do the, uh, you can do three players in the main gears campaign, but one player's playing the support robot Jack. So you oh. never have like is that Stiggy by there. any chance? Because he was the one that was carrying you through the stream when I watched. Stick was stick wasn't necessarily carrying us. We were all uh, pulling our own weight. I think. Yeah. I think. I think. Um, uh, depends punk, on your point of punk view. Punk were carrying you all. Definitely was. Yeah. To be fair, Punk was carrying us. Actually. No, it was it was a uh, pretty much same all around. We all had died, at, you know, and got resurrected each. It wasn't like yeah. it was one person more than anyone else. Yeah. I wouldn't play it for the story. Like I say, I didn't really care for the story very much. Um, the, the advertised big bad in it is only in it for like two minutes. Mm. Um, which is some monster hunter looking giant mutated chicken looking thing um, but the because the Gears gameplay is so refined and so slick and clever anyway it's worth playing just because it's a bit more Gears yeah um, I've never it, played it, it Gears, just, I enjoyed watching it yeah no it's 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 a lot of fun to play the, the gameplay is just absolute perfection it's just some great shooting 
Um, there's not really any puzzles or anything like that. There's a couple of um, rooms where you've you've got to get the right person to interact. Mate, you, with the right you, did, thing you didn't to know progress. which lift to get in. No, no, we didn't. None <laughs> of us did. Uh, but no, I I enjoyed it. Um, and the best thing about it, it was free. Like, yeah, that's always um, the best price. I mean, is it because it's on Game Pass? But like, the, even I think even if you bought the game, I don't think there was actually any charge for it. I think it was just a free update mm. for it. But uh, very slick, some nice voice acting, lovely graphics. Like the art direction yeah. in that in Gears Five is exemplary anyway. But the the way it looks in Hive Busters is absolutely brilliant, gorgeous so, man. You, and that was um, me watching the stream, so it yeah, would look even great. better in person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, just like yeah. in Dead Space Three, my uh, connection crashed out in the uh, the main bad guy <laughs> a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it's like. It was it was only me that didn't get booted out of the game. Punk got booted out a few times. Yeah, um, not surprising. Yeah, if, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to watch that, if you if you like, if you don't have an Xbox or you don't want to play it on PC or anything like that, the the entire stream is on our YouTube channel. So just search Modern Escapism on YouTube and you can watch that. But uh, yeah, if you if you like Gears, play it. It's really well worth your time. And like I say, it takes about two and a half hours to get through. Yeah, nice little challenge. Couple couple of couple of tricky bits. I liked it. Very yeah, good. I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed your little on that on the metal uh, platform in the lava, the river of lava. Yeah, and stuff, yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Stand, standard over the top gears bullshit. Yeah, it looked good. <laughs> Look really good. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna eventually play five. Uh, I don't think I'm gonna go back to the old ones. I think I'm just gonna play five and then Hive Busters and enjoy the next genness of it. Yeah, like I said, like, I mean, I didn't. For all I didn't enjoy the story of five that much, or Hive Busters that much for that matter. The gameplay in them is. Actually, absolutely brilliant. One of the best third-person shooters I've ever played. Well, that's all you need. That's uh, brilliant. Absolutely. Excellent. Thank you very much, uh, Candy. What have you been up to? I've been reading a book this week. No. Kind of, yep. I can in fact read. I've been reading uh, Project <laughs> Hail Mary by Andy Weir. Andy Weir is the author of uh, The Martian and also Artemis. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. So you might have seen The Martian. They made a film with uh, Matt, Matt Damon. Damon. I really like I, I was gonna. I wasn't gonna do it. I can't help it. <laughs> Also, the Martian with Matt Damon. <laughs> I like that film. Yeah, a lot. I, I did enjoyed too. it. Well, the Martian or Team America? Both. <laughs> Didn't it get a lot of criticism about in relation to the book? But not having read the book, I've got nothing to compare to. I, I think they changed the ending. Didn't great. They? Yeah, the, yeah, they did. The the ending in the book. I hope is... you finished the book, Candy. I finished the book. Oh, God. <laughs> the, the, the ending of the Martian makes a lot more sense the way the way it's done in the book than the way they do it in the film. In the film, they try to give it a bit more of an emotional push, mm. um, but it it doesn't make sense in terms of the science. Oh. So this one is also very sort of science heavy. In fact, it's it's pretty hard. It's I don't know if you've read Artemis, but that's more of a sort of uh, more of an adventure on the moon. Whereas this one is it's quite a hard science um, novel based in space. But being as I'm very non scientific myself, it wasn't enough to put me off because there's enough of a fun story going on, and you just have to kind of accept the science of, as if it's the truth. If you don't really know what they're talking about. Um, <laughs> Um, so it's about a, a guy that he sort of wakes. It's um, he wakes up not knowing who he is, not having any memories. That classic trope um, through dreams and everything. He sort of realizes that there's been some kind of blip with the Earth's sun, and that it's slowly dying. Oh no! And he's been recruited to solve the crisis. And throughout further dreams, he discovers that he is in space himself, and he's been the one that's been sent on the mission to save the earth and it's kind of it's a lot of a character study on himself realizing trying to decide why he made the decisions that he made what led him up to being the person because he he's a school teacher 
and it's it's kind of up to him to realize why he's been sent into space but it's really really good fun it's it's quite light-hearted you have to go into it with a with a sort of pinch of salt because it is it's quite far-fetched in places but that's what makes it fun i think you just hate it when you fall asleep and then wake up on an intergalactic mission to the oh, sun. Twice if I had a pound for every time that happens. <laughs> mm. <laughs> All the time. But I'd, re- I'd really recommend it. And uh, also, if you're not much of a reader, it's on Audible as well. That's exactly it's, what I wanted to hear. It's read by the phenomenal Ray Porter, who's one of my absolute favourite narrators. Brilliant. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear it's a good one, because I, I, I tried Artemis and I really didn't like it. Well, I didn't like it either. Me. I didn't like Artemis, and I got that read to me. Yeah, I, the thing, the, the problem I had with Artemis was that I don't think that Andy Weir at the time was very good at writing women. Oh, possibly. And um, the, 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 with the lead character being a woman, it kind of it just as I was reading it, smacked of yes, this is a man writing a woman, <laughs> and it just didn't. It wasn't good. I didn't enjoy it anyway. But I really enjoyed The Martian, so I was disappointed with Artemis when I didn't like Artemis. So I'm, I've got high hopes for this one. I like. I want to like this one. Yeah, I, th- I, w- I would recommend it. It's it's more science fiction than The Martian, and it's more hard science than Artemis. Excellent. Brilliant. So, uh, Biggie, have you been up to? Well, um, I finished Final Fantasy VII. So, yay! Finally got that off my plate. But we know. didn't see it. No, I don't know. No, no there's one there's saw no, it. There's no evidence of it actually happening. Yeah. Yes, there is. There is. Got his, he's got his trophies. Got his trophies, yes, yeah. <laughs> but, um, wow. Um, yeah, sorry. What an anticlimactic end that was with the uh, blue screen of death. <laughs> the actual game isn't. It's a good ending. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But, uh, thank you Absolutely to everyone hilarious. that joined me on that. And apart from a few sound issues from the beginning... Um, there were no sound issues. You weren't there listening was sound to issues. us. Go I'm into the settings and change settings. What settings? I was so thrown off by that happening and not even considering that there was actually a sound option in that little menu in the that I've been seeing for 24 years, which I've never touched. <laughs> Just I couldn't understand. I was going in and out of the PlayStation menu. I was looking in the sound and settings. I was looking at the one that highlighted the game, but not actually <laughs> in the game. And people... Email, not emailing me, they were texting me, my phone was ringing you. on WhatsApp, you were calling me. It was just ridiculous. I was like, what is going on? Mate, you had like 25 to 30 people watching that stream and it was just a blue fucking screen. It was hilarious. <laughs> it was brilliant. It couldn't have gone better, I don't think. It was a perfect end, perfect ending. Yeah. So for, 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 for so those who bizarre. were watching who do, don't know what, what happened, um, there, is, there is a thing when you stream from the PlayStation where... They, they put it in there, which allows developers to like block out scenes from being uh, streamed or shared onto YouTube if you're doing it directly from the console. And it's the, the original idea was when they put the share stuff in there, it was to stop spoilers. Of a 25-year-old um, game. Yeah, so Square Enix had obviously put that functionality in for the ending cutscene. So we, we sat there watching Biggie do the final battle with Sephiroth with one winged angel playing in the background, one of the greatest songs Nobu Uematsu's ever written. ever. And and as soon as soon as, as, soon as Sephiroth goes down on us on the stream, it just goes blue. <laughs> these five little bouncing kind of icons. And I'm oblivious to this until they point it out. And he's like, "Look, look at this! Oh, look at this!" I'm like, "We can't see it." <laughs> but not only does it go blue, it also cuts the game audio, so we couldn't hear the game audio. All we could hear was Biggie going, 
oh, well, uh, Cloud's gone down into this uh, pit and, oh, he's fighting Sephiroth. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the live stream's taken over. <laughs> and the, I'm sat watching it on the stream, creased laughing. It's one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever encountered. <laughs> well, I'm it, glad it just you would, found it entertaining. Well, it just would be, I think, 24 years it's taken you to finish that game and you wanted to share the ending with the world. I mean, we were saying, describe what's happening. He's going, oh, look, there's the high wind. What's happening now? They're in the high wind. <laughs> you weren't describing anything at all. It was brilliant. It was the best way you could have ended because oh, it was, it was so a fast. Incredible. One of my favourite moments this year already. <laughs> Lisa got dressed out for it. You did. Oh, you look very dashing. Oh, God, you look stunning. Oodles shot this for Nexus of the Year. Absolutely. Absolutely, it really is. <laughs> But yeah, um, so yeah, that was just really nice having the support that was there for such a weird anticlimactic end. Um, but yeah, it's done. Uh, I actually genuinely felt a bit numb after I'd finished that. Just seemed like after all that time, it was like my comfort game to go back to and clearly obviously restart. Um, don't really know what I'm going to do next. As I do, of... Dragon Quest Eleven. Well, yeah, yeah, I am actually playing that. So um, that might actually take over because that is quite an enjoyable game, to be fair. And it's longer. Good. It's a good recommendation. <laughs> Another thirty years later, it's, it's, trust me, it's, forty eight years this time. It's when almost be, triple no, the uh, almost triple the time it takes to beat Dragon Quest Eleven fully than it does with Final Fantasy Seven. So the other poor man's going to be on his deathbed if he plays on the rate he played Final Fantasy Seven. My first playthrough was one hundred and fifty hours of Dragon Quest Eleven. Wow, and that's without platinum in it. So. <laughs> yeah, the other weird thing I wanted to uh, quickly talk about was um, it's one of the only Marvel movies I haven't seen in the Marvel universe, and that was The Incredible Hulk, which yeah. just popped up randomly so random. in my playlist, and I just thought, oh, I'll go and watch that. Um, what a weird That's film. a weird movie. Such a weird, weird movie. Um, the only thing that stuck out more than anything else was why on earth, um, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Roth? Tim Roth. Tim, Roth. Tim Roth. Tim Roth. Why he is in that role, I just don't yeah. get it. He doesn't come across as a soldier. He's really small when he's in scenes with William he's small Hurt. anyway. <laughs> but yeah, but he's like, when he, they're chatting, it's such a weird uh, view on the camera. Yeah. Um, and he just doesn't come across like a soldier. And that, that he's supposed <laughs> to be this super soldier that is a bit mad. And yeah, I just, it seemed horribly miscast in my opinion. Isn't he, basically play, isn't he basically playing his, his character from Lie to Me or something yes. like that? Like, yeah, it's he's not really odd. playing the character he's playing that should become Abomination. playing his Tim Roth from every Tim Roth film. Yep, yep, yep. yep. <laughs> and, Angry um, small man. Yeah, just the people in the background seem to be better than the main performers. I wasn't a big fan of Edward Norton in that. Nobody was. Um, just, yeah. On and off screen. But the Hulk was pretty good. I thought, um, considering it was like a 2008 movie, it kind of looked good. The battle scenes were quite good. The change when he changes at one point, they it's show It's better you that. than Hulk. Yeah, that was another strange one. They've not really nailed the Hulk really until the Avengers. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll never see another Hulk film ever. I'm telling you now, we'll never see it. There's not a lot they can really do with it. No. But yeah, Tim Roth was just, I don't understand what he was doing in that film. Really odd. But yeah, excellent. Yeah, that was it. Excellent, excellent. Um, Stig, you've been doing Darling. I watched In the Heights this week. What is that? In the Heights is an adaptation of a Broadway stage play by Lynn Manuel Miranda. Ah, now it all adds up. Um, So this tells the story of uh, Usnavi, 
who is a bodega owner who has mixed feelings about closing his store and returning back to the Dominican Republic to restore his late father's beach bar mm-hmm. or staying in Washington Heights. Uh, it stars Anthony Ramos, who's also in uh, Hamilton. Yep. Corey Hawkins, who played Dr. Dre in Straight Outta Compton. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Smith, uh, Stephanie Beatrice, whose rows are from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And um, Dasha Polanco, sorry, his pronunciations. Uh, <laughs> and she plays Dinara in Orange is the New Black. And then everyone else, uh, Lima Melranda has like a small part in it himself, but like I think everyone else that's in it is like Broadway actors and singers. Yeah. So I didn't really know anyone else that was in it. Um, but yeah, so uh, from the get go, you can literally tell this is by the same guy who wrote Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the same sounds, inflections, and if you've watched Hamilton, you recognize like the rhythm of his hip hop style. Uh, obviously, it's less epic in its feel and it's grandiose than and Hamilton. It's more of a traditional musical and kind of takes a lot of its sound influences from Central and South America. Yeah. So it mixes rap, hip hop, and salsa. Oh, lovely. Yeah, it does it does really, that, does really that, well. Does it like does it blend really well? Like salsa, oh yeah, hip hop. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Oh, cool. Yeah, songs are brilliant. Uh, so it starts out with a proper banger of a tune, dance routine. So like, if you are into it by that point, then just don't bother. <laughs> uh, so it's like, if the first song doesn't get you, then nothing nothing is. The rhythm doesn't get you. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, there's nothing relatively special about the plot at all. It just kind of... Uh, there wrote never it. is with musicals, though, is there? No, really? he kind of wrote it based on some of his own experiences living in that area when he was younger. So it just kind of follows the various the life of various characters like connected by this small, knit community, close-knit community. Yeah. Uh, so you have things like uh, the stories around lost loves, failed dates, ambitions, lost business plights. Yeah. Salon girls and that. Then it throws a few bit of real world issues in there. So there's some stuff that touches on racism and like the dreamers um, of America who so are like undocumented immigrants. So it touches a bit on that as well. But yeah, I just, I thought the characters were like, they felt real. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's enjoyable to kind of be in their presence. Uh, the cast is brilliant. They're all really strong, all really good singers actors and dancers uh the pace of it never lets up like it it's two hours and 20 minutes long but it doesn't feel like that just kind of nips along at a really good pace uh it's vibrant like full of life throughout and it does a really good job of kind of mixing the new york aesthetics with kind of south american influences as well so you're in you've got new york as the setting but a lot of like the imagery you're kind of seeing and the colors and that come clearly come directly from like South America. Oh. Uh some great tunes in there. Like I really, really, really like the ones where it's kind of like the whole cast together. The ensemble, so yeah. Yeah. So there's about four of them that are like really good and, the, and and at one point it blends two of them together really well. So it's like the two separate songs, but they kind of come one after the other and you don't really like it doesn't feel like the way they kind of blend really well together. It's really good. Yeah, I really oh. enjoyed it. It's not on the scale of Hamilton. Um, Is for it me. on Disney Plus? Um, no, it's in cinemas. Oh, right. All right. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's not on the scale of Hamilton for me, although I know like, I'm only really comparing the two because of who wrote it rather than being, you know, they don't, they're not similar at all. As separate pieces, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think I just 
this from the Empire Magazine review summed it up really like perfectly. Um, so Helen O'Harish says, it's a big, soppy, traditional musical story about a tight-knit community helping one another through their issues with a shared sense of scrappy optimism and a killer sense of rhythm to enormous uplift- uplifting effect. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's really good. I really enjoyed it. And as you do with these kind of things, I've been listening to uh, some of the songs today. Yeah, that's always good when you can, when you can bring something from a musical and you're, you're listening to it out of context, but it still brings you back. Yeah, you yeah. can actually get the, the music from the Broadway player and the film on Spotify. Oh, lovely. So the Broadway player, um, is clearly Lin-Manuel Miranda played the lead part in that. Yeah, and, that's, where, that's where he's from, isn't it? That's yeah, his... but he is not as good of a singer as Anthony Ramos at all. No. Like, that's one thing about, as much as I love Lin-Manuel Miranda's like, uh, shows and his songs and his lyrics and everything, he's not actually a very good singer. Oh. Like, especially compared to the other people in the show, he's the weakest part all the time. Uh, but he sings in such a way where, like, his emotion is just pours out through the, the, the songs. Yeah. So you can't, you kind of let that fact that he's not a great singer go because he's he invokes the emotion of the character so well through it. Yeah. Thank you for that stick. Lovely. We'll check that out, I'm sure. Maybe not. You won't check <laughs> like, that out. Like I did with uh, the other one. <laughs> Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah, they're, so, they're really good. They're really, really good. I probably will at some point. This one actually has talking in it as well, actually. Ooh. Should have mentioned that. But it isn't okay. just singing all the way through like Hamilton. There's actually like breaks for acting yeah. and talking and, and plot. Excellent. Okay, so I have just today been watching the football. Come on. Yes. Come on, England. So it out. So, yes, we won. Croatia 1-0. Uh, it was very good. Good feeling. How does everyone feel about it? I want to get Gadget's opinion first. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, they, they did a sports ball. Yes. Candy, how do you feel about the win? I really felt strong about the 14th minute in. There was a really, really good tackle. And, uh, yeah, we just flew from there. It was always going to be a win. Perfect. <laughs> wow. I thought Des Lynam were here. That was brilliant. <laughs> uh Biggie, you caught the football? I did. I thought we did quite well in the first half until the last quarter. Really strong start. We tailed off, but we got the goal, and then second half was a bit all over. Mm, mm. Stig, come on, give me some analysis. (laughs) Um, Not much to say, really. Uh, We should have had an extra goal, I think. Yeah, um, Ford and Son, lucky to come off the post that. But yeah, we we started very strong. Uh, but then we kind of... It seemed like the heat of... got the better of us. Yes. They seemed to come back into it um, in that first half and they just kind of seemed to be a bit of a 50-50 until we scored. So if fuck it, it we would. If it, if it wasn't care. for my, our good boy, Calvin Phillips, assisting. Oh, <laughs> good homegrown boy. Actually, <laughs> I was surprised by that selection. For me, yeah, I was. Mate, you were all over it. Oh, I know he was brilliant. but like, should have been man of the match. But yeah. Give it to Who Sterling was? instead. Sterling. Oh, okay, but yeah. yeah, football was good. It's nice. To, it was nice to see people in the stadiums. Obviously, not jam packed, but nice to I'll hear the, the chants. <laughs> Some of the fans do like right wankers. I'm sorry, but oh yeah, dude. Every time they kept panning to the crowd, was there with, with tops off. I was like, put your fucking top back. Just on. look at them sometimes. <laughs> you go, yeah, yeah, they're they're re- away. This is the BBC. They're, they're representing a row of dad bods. Fans, <laughs> 
But yeah, I just I don't know. It, it felt good. It felt good to watch it. I had a few beers with it. A few yeah. too many. I missed the goal. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely, we're lovely. In the room, was, I was going to get a drink, and I was chatting to my sister-in-law, and then it was a boring part of the game. My as brother well. <laughs> just came out of nowhere. But yeah, that's enough of football chat for now. But you'll get our weekly update, I'm sure. <laughs> but good start. <laughs> the world inevitable one will be like, oh, we got knocked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the main thing I want to chat about is Sweet Tooth. It's a show Sweet I tooth. have been watching on Netflix. I am on episode five. It only dropped, I think, the other day. So powering through it um sweet tooth mm. is based on a vertigo comic um from a few years back uh, if you don't know the premise basically um at some point a, a global pandemic happened yay and uh, a lot of the population died from it and something even stranger <laughs> happened uh human animal hybrids were born very strange looking critters um Half armadillo, half human, all babies, all little babies, and th- and then it cuts to a, m- a man and his uh, baby uh, escaping the pandemic, the riots, and everything into the wilderness to set up a life away from crumbling society. It turns out that man has got a hybrid baby. It's got antlers, and that's Gus, his son Gus. Um, the first episode is basically how Gus is brought up by his love, his lovely dad, played by uh, is it Will Forte? I think his name is. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he's really good in it because he's the he's the one that's like um, he's usually daft, isn't he? He's quite a comedic actor and stuff like that, but he, he's lovely in it. Um, and yeah, it's re- really strong start. Um, it's a bit like uh, Fallout, Last of Us. Uh, Lion Witch in the Wardrobe. <laughs> That's a hell of a combination. Yeah, and, and Bambi. It's, it, it's a, it is actually a family drama. It's, I think it's uh, rated 12. Um, so I think the, the comics, I've not read the comics. Um, I have not heard of it myself. Um, it didn't last too long, if I remember. And the comics is a bit darker, a bit bloodier, but not ridiculous. It's not Judge Dredd. Do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not Spawn. But yeah. Um, a really strong start from Netflix with this one. Um, it looked gorgeous. There's, I'm not expecting where it where it led to. It's, I'm on I'm on episode five now, like I said, and it's starting to become a bit of a, a really cool um, road trip adventure without the road, the roads. <laughs> Dare I say, will it likely to um, avoid the coal of Netflix tendency uh, to cut? series just as they seem to be getting going i don't know because it's number one at the moment but then again new things tend to be number one for a little bit don't they on netflix let's see what um but i think i think the rotten tomatoes score is pretty strong yeah, um, so let's see what that is because that'll be a good indicator on netflix mm. can it uh, hey not yet critics yeah. 91 audience so yeah yeah I- Probably will get into the Do you know what I really the, the main thing I really like about it is it's post apocalyptic, but it's beautiful post apocalyptic. There's no nuclear bombs hitting or anything like that. Nature has taken back. It's gorgeous look at it. It's all set in New Zealand, even though it's supposed to be America. It's supposed to be Yellowstone Park and stuff. But as we all know, New Zealand's got one of the best best environments on earth. It's gorgeous. But yeah, massive, massive camera pans and stuff like that. And strangely enough, it's 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 made by the guys that did The Flash, <laughs> the TV show oh, really? The Flash. 
and it's got a lot of the characters from The Flash in it. But <laughs> it's, it's The Flash with a way bigger budget, way bigger budget. But yeah, um, I, I can't really review it too much because I'm only on episode five, um, but really strong shot. And you can watch it with kids. Well, as I, was, I wasn't like sure on what to do with that, to be honest. I kind of watched the trailer and I was a bit like, the trailer didn't grab me that much. Um, maybe I'll wait to see when you finished it. I just, I just, I, I've, I've been watching it with my son, and he's he's been compelled by it. the main, the young kid that plays um, Gus, or aka Sweet Tooth. Uh, he's he's adorable. He's brilliant. So cute. Yeah. You, have you have you been watching it, Candy? Funnily enough, I started it on Friday and I finished it. I wow. absolutely, yeah, I absolutely devoured it. Oh, did could, you, don't spoil I, it, but is it still as good as it starts? Yes, it gets better actually, and it's funny that you should say that you you got Fallout and Last of Us vibes because I had that exact same thought. And that led me on to think as well that they're making a Fallout TV show, and wouldn't it be mm. amazing if they they were the ones that produced? I, they're not. It's um, yeah, HBO, isn't it? It's the yeah, it's the producers of Westworld that are doing the Fallout show. But if they can get it anything like that, it's it beautiful post apocalyptic, isn't it? Mm. It's and it takes without ruining it. It does take some. I, it's a family show, but it does take some dark turns. There is there's a couple of scenes in it, and I'm not sure if you would have got to it yet, but it took me aback. There's the, I have seen blood in it. Mm. Not gore, blood is a difference, obviously. Yeah, but yeah, it's um, it's got a Bambi vibe to it as well, which is which is kind of weird. But yeah, um, I'm not obviously explaining it brilliantly, but the hybrids are think. Ooh, how do I exp- how do you explain the hybrids? Really, they're just half animal, half human, and humans don't like them. Fair enough. That so, seems to be an easy way to explain them. Bit bit of a X Men vibe to it. I mean, eighties X Men. You know where they didn't like them. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of vibe to it <laughs> but yeah um, really good sweet tooth I recommend it so far and Candy's devoured it so right then Biggie what we're we talking about this week this week we're going to be talking about the best jerks to grace our TV screens it's not the four that I can see in front of me those characters that whilst oh. annoying and insults just toe that fine line between being a lovable jerk to a complete bastard and baddie Excellent, excellent jerks, um, aka knobheads. <laughs> <laughs> like I say, we, th- these are not like necessarily evil people. Um, they're just jerks. So um, we're going to start Borderline. with Candy, actually. Oh, it's exciting! I've never been first before. Oh, you're first so, now. Um, yeah. So I'm. I've got a couple of like lesser known ones. Um, I'm starting with Ian Grimm from uh, Mythic Quest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such a prick. Absolute such a prick. Um, he's a creative director at um, an MMORPG, and I know it's been Mythic Quest has been covered before on the show, so I won't go too too much into it. <laughs> he's a complete arrogant, egotistical, just absolute piece of shit. But it's you just can't end, help a complete bell end. But you just can't help but love him. He can't let anyone come up with any kind of idea without belittling it. Or if he does like an idea, he has to sort of frame it as if it's his own or that he's, he's come up with it himself or it's, beca- it's become his idea then. The, that, the whole thread in the first episode about the shovel. The bloody oh, shovel. Yeah. <laughs> and we've all had that happen to us at some point in the workplace, I'm sure, so we can all relate yeah. to it as well. He, ins- he insists in being called Iron. Well, actually, to be fair, the reason that he's called Iron is actually not... A really dickish one, actually. I suppose, yeah. With, yeah. Without spoiling without it. Without spoiling it, yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty good reason. Yeah, he's just got such alpha vibes, isn't he? I particularly liked when they, he, uh, an absolute model employee, moved 
towards his uh, office, which he has to have above everyone else, I might add. So he's got this office (laughs) looming over everyone, just lording it. And he takes a dislike to this uh, absolutely lovely employee because he's taller than he is. (laughs) (laughs) So this poor employee gets sent to the basement of the building, never to be seen again. Um, But yeah, as you said, the reason he calls himself Ian is covered in... To make it that he he's not an outright asshole, yeah. but he's just a prick. He, he's he's possibly sort of overcompensating from a lack of something that he had in his life, but at the same time, he treats people the same way that he was treated. Um, he's constantly insecure, which probably did stem from various things, and uh, he's very aware that his uh, now co- co-creator Poppy is pro- like a far superior coder than he is. <laughs> but he's the cre- he's the creative force, so it's. Um, a good symbiotic relationship the two of them have while still banging heads constantly. And he's, he's just the death. If you were to look up prick in a uh, dictionary, there'd just be a picture of him. Next to mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not supposed to say yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's, it's very hot. That slipped out. <laughs> but he's just such a great character as well. And um, they did a, a special that's, it, that was kind of filmed over a Zoom call. And um, a bit more of his kind of personality came out towards the end of it to show that he does, it's not necessarily a soft side, but he can empathise with people and he is actually there when it counts and probably that he is quite a good boss when he needs to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but he he does also start that episode by doing Zoom calls from his (laughs) hot tub. Yeah. (laughs) And he's going to take his shirt off. Well, you know, being completely naked in his hot tub and just standing up on the Zoom call. (laughs) And he has to be the one that's late as well. I'm yet to do <laughs> yeah. that, but it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he gets the hump when he's not the last one into the Zoom call. <laughs> yes. But, oh, yeah, I, I really, really recommend um, Mythic Quest. It's really good. And if uh, there's a second season out now as well. So, you know, even if you just pay, however, it, it, just for a month for, uh, what is it, Apple TV? Yeah, yeah. Apple TV just go Plus. For it. Yeah. I'll yeah, just, just buy a new iPhone, you get it free for a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to watch this show, I really do. <clears throat> it's really good, really enjoy it. Excellent, brilliant, good start. Um, Biggie. Ooh. Um, okay, yeah, again, <laughs> you do it so randomly, I'm never really... Um, yeah, it's so not random I, to me. <laughs> I wanted to talk about a character from a TV show, uh, Suits, and it's Lewis Litt. He is played by Rick Hoffman brilliantly. Um, he's another character where it's a real love-hate relationship with this guy. He basically plays a corporate attorney. Um, he's a manager and name partner of the firm. Um, he was promoted to the position of senior partner at one point. His journey to get his name up on the wall certainly took its turns, but it generally involved bribery, blackmail, lies, treachery, all the good stuff. The problem with this guy is he has a real rivalry with the very handsome hotshot lawyer that also works there, Harvey Specter. And their relationship is what drives Lewis to sort of um, make all these uh, issues. So he's actually got a catchphrase, which is, you just got lit up. He printed <laughs> it on cards. <laughs> he printed it on cards. He printed it on <laughs> mugs. I mean, the guy is just so self-obsessed. It's ridiculous. Um, his, character oh, Ju- his character is Jewish, which gets referenced to a few times. He's a graduate of Harvard University. He's well known um, as a, a superb trainer of the associates at the firm. 
Um, the problem being that um, he shared his senior partnership news with his rabbi, and uh, at one point he referred to his therapist, Dr. Lipschitz, as a Nazi because of his German <laughs> accent. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it, it's just the fact that he's very annoying. He plays it brilliantly, Rick Hoffman, so Lewis is annoying. He looks annoying. Um, the poor um, guy has a certain look. If you Google it, you'll see what he looks like. But You're Rick plays... Rick, he's just not Harvey Specter, so he yeah. plays that role so well. He's absolutely amazing in it. But it's a real love-hate relationship, as I mentioned. So what Lewis does is tries to overcompensate. He tries to always one-up Harvey, but Harvey always gets the better. Um, and the fact that this rivalry drives Lewis to pretty much put the firm at risk oh. um, at various times through the series because he just tries his hardest to do things. He, um, For example... One person of the firm who owned the business um, was trying to do a dodgy deal behind everybody's back and trying to stop Harvey getting his name up. Lewis actually um, got blindsided by uh, Daniel and ended up having to be almost the full guy for all the financial dodginess, the corruption that was going on behind. Mm. And Lewis still voted for this guy instead of Harvey because he didn't want Harvey to get his name up, even though the guy just basically set him up for a fool. <laughs> um, Lewis ends up basically revealing secrets to anybody in the firm that he knows will affect somebody else doesn't care how it will affect them how it will hurt them any relationship he has with anybody will be ruined because of anything he reveals but he will still do it to one up for somebody but at some point during any of the seasons Lewis somehow makes you sometimes feel sorry for him that mm. he almost feels like he's been bullied in his life that he's not always had the best cards dealt to him. So there is a bit of sympathy for him at times. And then he goes and does something else. I was, I was going to say, he burns that sympathy pretty quickly. When, Very much so. It tends to happen though, doesn't it, with these jerks? Somebody on Reddit described him as saying, he wants to be loved. He needs to be loved. He's desperate for affection. He'll do anything to get it. He's viciously effective at his job. He says whatever comes to his mind. He's immature. He's spiteful. He tries to swagger around. Um, I mean, that just kind of sums him up pretty much it's, and it's really scary, hard but it's the way that the role's played it's, it's beautifully done um, and yeah he's a great character in the show but you, you sometimes you just get so wound up by what he does I've never watched Suits but when I see the trailer I'm like ooh Suits is, Suits is pretty good I really I really enjoy the first four seasons of it and I know it's yeah, called, Suits, exactly it's called the Suits same. but they look fucking smart them boys they look they are, really it's, good it's, 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 it's a very sexy program yeah. yeah they look good it, it, what what got to me by the full season I think was literally the season would start with a case something happened and then everybody just walks into everybody else's office slams down some paperwork they pick it up read it very quickly and then one of them storms out and that pretty much happens every episode yeah (laughs) it's it's, just so weird yeah after the kind of the third season the the central conceit of the show has kind of run its course and everyone's a bit too experienced like it it was a perfect three season show and they tried to push it to six seasons and uh, it's still going, it I think. Work. It's up to eight or nine or something now. What? Yep, it's still going. How? Exactly. More, more suits to wear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice show, but yeah, Lewis, man, he, he, he's a dick. <laughs> if you're listening, Lewis, you're a dick. <laughs> you fictional it's, person. It shows it shows me said the actor who plays him, um he, he you'll see him a, a lot in TV playing a dick. Yeah. Like yeah, he's, he's one, good one, at one of those one of those bit part actors that will Tank come cast. up and you'll play like yeah, it's not so much typecast, but he, you know he'll play a bit of a dickhead character in like um, I 
I don't know, like the X Files or CSI or something ah, in the background. Yeah, like, yeah, he yeah. has like, that like face. Serial bit part actor. Yeah, he's playing on the fact that he he has been born with this face that kind of yeah. annoys you in its own way. And I hate <laughs> to say that because works, it, it works it, for him. Yeah, it, well, and it. that is it. That's it. he gets those roles. That's why. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Gadget, your first jerk, jerk it, baby. Yeah. That is definitely the title of the show. <laughs> it's going to have to be. Um, so the, the first one might be a slightly controversial choice um, because I know the entire world loves him, but I'm going to talk about Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation. Oh, no, he's a jerk. He's a, he's, he's a lovable he's okay. jerk. Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah, he's still a yeah. massive arse. Oh, he's a prick. Oh, yeah. He's a prick. <laughs> if you worked with him, you'd fucking hate him. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Ron Swanson, for those who haven't seen Parks and Recreation, is, um, is, is, he is one of the side characters, although he's, he does have his own... He steals every scene. Goes on. Yeah, he steals every scene. He's played by Nick Offerman um, expertly. Mm-hmm. He is a slow-talking, very calculating libertarian working for a local government in the US. He's a man who hates the government. Yeah. So as, so as a result, Literally. does his does his best to slow everything down. Um he the, the things he enjoys are solitude, uh whiskey, meat, breakfast food, um solitude, uh, <laughs> and an, and generally annoying other people. He dislikes forms of affection, he dislikes personal relationships. He basically dislikes everything that's not exactly what he wants when he wants it. God, that's me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're getting all his traits out today, aren't we, guys? Yeah. He does have a sweet side, but it kind of comes out reasonably rarely. Um, he only really interacts with people to try and get one over on them. There is a wonderful series of episodes, probably the third or four, third season of, um, of Parks and Rec, where some auditors come in and start auditing the, uh, the Pawnee government. Yeah, season three. Um, and they are basically proposing a lot of budget cuts because the, the government is massively over budget. And he giggles every <laughs> single meeting. And, he, and you know, he, he goes up to the audience and says, I would like to be in this meeting, but this isn't to do with your department. I just want to see the cuts happen. <laughs> and, <laughs> and stuff like that. He is a massive arsehole. And the, the entire world loves him. Like, he is, generally speaking, most people's favourite character in Parks mm. and Recreation. Like, I mean, the thing, the thing is, Parks and Recreation, almost every character in it is a jerk in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, from well, Jerry. Oh, yeah, Jerry. Oh, yeah, Jerry. Jerry, Gary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's lovely. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, everyone's jerks to Jerry. Um, yeah. But yeah, Ron Swanson, I don't know, like, I, I like him. He's very funny. He gets some of the best lines in the show. And it, it's, Dick Hoffman's performance is absolutely He's the most memed hysterical. in that show. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That scene where he goes to get the, um, is it the... Replacement of bacon or something, and he goes, "Can I have some more?" And he's like, "Ego," and he just puts it straight in the bin in front of the gun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's the vegan bacon. Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, um, yeah. The the man's insane. I love him. He um, is insane. He is he is yeah. a huge jerk. Um, the the character softens slightly as it goes on because like I in agree. the latest in the later seasons, he kind of he um. He, he meets he, he meets someone who he starts having a relationship with, uh, played by Lucy Lawless. Yeah, all people. He do, he does Every that day. Dwight Schrute thing where his character softens as and, and grows and yeah. grows. Yeah, yeah, maintains some maintains some of the the asshole tendencies, but becomes a little bit more yeah affable, human. Yeah, uh, I mean that's still stretching it for a while. Yeah, I suppose it is. <laughs> um, 
one of my favorite episodes involving Ron um, is when the when the group go hunting as a team building exercise, and someone accidentally uh, shoots him in the back of the head with a shotgun. Yeah. Like oh a yeah. Glance, like a glancing blow. <laughs> yeah. And so he's he's been taken back to a cabin, put in the bed. And they're trying to medically triage him. They're trying to like you know see how badly he's hurt and all that. <laughs> oh, and and all, all and, and uh, all he wants is just his bottle of whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. He says. The the the, the, uh, the nurse the says you, you've been shot you can't drink I will drink <laughs> he's not going out <laughs> sober down to the bottle of whiskey it's absolute absolute legend of a character but yeah, yeah massive arsehole so uh, yeah I'd still recommend Parks and Rec though oh, even though ninety yeah. percent of the characters are arseholes yeah breeze through season one that's what yeah, I can well, say I'm not bothered oh not bother. Yeah, when, when me and Pip did a rewatch of it recently, we just didn't even bother with season one. No. A little bit like when we rewatched The Office, yeah. we didn't bother with season one. We just yeah. started both of them straight at season two. Straight through. I think it's the curse with with uh, Greg Daniels. It he is the Greg Daniels TV, curse. Yeah, puts out these TV programs with unwatchable first seasons. I think it's because he doesn't know which characters are going to stick. That's, True. That's how I see it. But yeah, great choice. Um, Stig. Okay, my first option is Dr. Cox from Scrubs. Mm. Played by John C. McGinley. He is the attending physician and residency director of Sacred Heart. Uh, He is a man who hates himself, his colleagues, his partner, his boss, and pretty much everything. Uh, He he tells JD that the best way to be a doctor is to be an island. And this man is the very definition of an island. And he has no time for people trying to invade it. Uh, He has this inflated self-esteem and grandiosity ranging from uncritical self-confidence to delusional sense of expertise. Uh, he's just, he's an insult machine. Like <laughs> that's, that's the best way I can kind of describe him. I know people like that. Yeah. He's like, his delivery is just perfect as well. It's like it, either it from a one-liner or to the nicknames he comes up with or like just long epic rants. Uh, he has this like intensified speech that's so rapid and like no one can ever interrupt him where he's just focused. It's like a focus on self amusement and it's like nonstop talking regardless of the other person's participation or interest. So even if someone's like tuned out what he's saying, he's like, no, I'm going to get this out and I'm going to tell you what I think. (laughs) And it's just, I just think McGinley just plays this part so well. I, I, He's, like I said, his delivery of stuff is like second to none. It's like he's very sarcastic. A, yeah. Lo- yeah, a lot of the time he's very sarcastic. Or he's loud and shouty rants. And even at times it's like he's a bit menacing. Mm. But like, because there's one moment where he's trying to teach a class about a defibrillator and Elliot walks in late and then they all get distracted. And he's just kind of stood there like biding his time, waiting for them all to kind of... yeah sort the shit out and listen. And then JD comes on and he goes, this is the calm before the storm. <laughs> and he goes on a massive rant, but he doesn't, he doesn't shout. He just says it very calmly and very at a normal level and just tells them how it is and how they're a bunch of shits and they meet and everything. And then right at the end of it, he just does this little laugh and it's really unnerving, but brilliantly <laughs> done. And he's just like, you nervous guy, get here and take your top off. <laughs> that shows how people, how people do this. Um, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the listeners' benefit, I'll find that clip and I'll stick it in the edit. 
I know it's a cliche, but sailors say that it is indeed the calm before the storm that lets you know that danger's coming. Uh-oh. First off, let me just say thank you. For the last couple of months, I have been adrift in a sea of puppy dogs, lollipops, and let's face it, mediocre metaphors. Luckily, you people were kind enough to piss all over learning a procedure that could determine whether some poor sucker lives or dies. And that reminded me of something that I wanted to remind you of. Because you see, I am accountable. I am accountable for the continuous, crashing, undeniable amateurism that you people drag into this hospital day in and day out. And believe you me when I tell you that the next time one of you perpetual disappointments doesn't even have the common decency to try and do better at something you supposedly do, I will go ahead and toss your sorry ass out of here in about 10 seconds and then I will forget you forever in the next five. <laughs> okay, nervous guy. Bring that nervous butt up here, lose the shirt. We're going to show these good people how this thing works. Nice tan there, champ. Thanks. Yeah, it's very good. But he has this really uncanny ability to finish someone off perfectly um, and then walk away before they even have a chance to process what he said or, like, say anything back to him. Um, I think but he does it. Uh, he strays on that side of being really funny and not a bad person. So when you're watching him, you don't think this is an absolute bastard. What he says just makes you laugh. Well, it makes me laugh anyway. Yeah. Um, like I think this kind of put, sums him down as well. When I was kind of like looking, I was watching clips and everything for this, and I found this one of him where he's, he he comes in. It's I think it's right close to the start of Scrubs, and he's talking about why he took on the res- residency head. And he says, is it for the extra $4 a week, my paycheck, or a chance to finally make a difference in this godforsaken hellhole? At which point, Elliot seems very impressed about, oh, it's to make a difference. And he's like, it's about the $4, trust me. <laughs> like, he cares more about getting $4 more than actually making a difference. But, like, behind all that, he's still very well-meaning and actually re- a really caring person. It just does it in his own really weird way. He's like, a doctor by, at, at the end of the day, so... Yeah, like, he may come across as an arsehole, but he's constantly pushing, like, the three main, like, cast of J.D. Elliott and Turk to be better doctors, because he knows they can be, like, he knows they're actually good doctors, There's but they can be better. There, yeah. yeah, like, he actually respects them because he knows how hard being a doctor really is. Yeah. And, like, right, I'm going to spoil this, so if you haven't watched Scrubs... I haven't, but I'm fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right at the end... He finally admits that JD is a brilliant doctor and calls him his friend. Is JD the main guy? Yes, JD is the main guy. But he doesn't know JD's listening to this. I love that scene. So so basically, JD gets this intern to say something bad about him as he walks out. And then Dr. Cox goes on and says, No, he's this, this, this. He's one of the best doctors I've ever worked with, and he's my friend. And JD's like, I knew it. And the look (laughs) and the response from Dr. Cox is just like, fuck's sake <laughs> it's just like yeah and, and he turns to, like he turns to the intern and she's like oh that went really well he went yeah he gets to leave you don't 
And she's like, oh, I didn't think that through. And he's like, you did not. <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen Scrubs. I know the show, but um, John C. McGinley's brilliant um, in most things. He always yes, stood he out for great. me in um, Platoon. I-, I thought he was excellent in that because he, he plays that kind of role um, in Platoon as well. And I thought he was superb. Mm. I was like, I, I was like, because most of his career was like military films, war films, that kind of thing. Like because of his physique and his general attitude and stuff like that, I always love seeing him in comedy. Yeah, like, he's so um, good at it. He is, like he is. obviously in Scrubs, but um, I don't know if you've seen Office Space. He plays one of the um, the recruitment consultants in that. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. In the still huge muscle bound body that he's got, like strapped into a business suit, and he's so funny. Like the dialogue is 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 amazingly quick. And he's just—he's got wonderful comic timing. Yeah, like like I say with with JD as well. Like there's this weird father son relationship, even though majority of it's like more that JD is a dog and constantly goes back to him looking for approval. Yeah, and he kind of gives it in this weird way, but often insulting way as well. But like he even like he's such a jerk to JD that he even makes him into a verb. <laughs> like he says. You've been wrong so many times that I'm not even going to say something's wrong anymore. I'm just going to, res- to I'm just going to say that it's a, a Dorian. So he just constantly refers to when everything's some, done someone wrong. He's like, "That's a Dorian," and you know something like that just really pains JD. But uh, yeah, he's like, he's the only man in it that will stand up to Kelso, and that kind of shows how much he does actually care. So he's a he's a dick to Kelso, like the head doctor, like the mm. boss of the, of the hospital. Yeah, but he's like he kind of. Sh- I think that kind of shows that he's the voice that stands up for the other doctors. He so, might yeah, not be in charge, but he's the lead. Yeah, so he's a jerk, but he's funny and clever, mm. and ultimately well-meaning. And of course, he kind of he gave birth to the wrong, 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 wrong meme. So, <laughs> which I have seen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> excellent, excellent, good pick. Uh, now, mine. Uh, I knew you guys were going to go full American, so I've gone English. Um, my first one is Derek Edward Trotter, also known as <laughs> Del Boy, from uh, the eighties, nineteen eighty one to nineteen ninety one officially um, show Only Fools and Horses. Now, for our American listeners, you may have never, never seen this. Um, you may have actually. It's probably it's probably I think did, it's been on BBC Worldwide a few yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. It's probably it's probably gone international. Um, Only Fools and Horses has been ranked in like top ten British sitcoms of all time really um due to its age there are problematic things about it but we're not talking about <laughs> a lot that. of them a lot of them yeah we're not talking about that today we're mainly talking about the fact that del boy is a prick um <laughs> probably out of all the cast in that show he is the biggest Ooh. the biggest jerk in that he's he is quite a but bad he- person even of a Boise? Yeah, I think he is. He's worse. I think he's worse. I don't know. I, I, I don't I, know. I, I'd say, but I'd say Boise's worse because Boise has nothing redeemable about no, it. I, I, think, <laughs> I think I think Boise's more evil. Because <laughs> it's a pure baddie. Yeah, he's just a pure, he's just a pure baddie. So um, I know a lot of our listeners know exactly who he is. Um, he's a he's a wheeler dealer. He he he's the uh, president of Trotters Independent Traders, um, and they live in a rundown part of. Is it? Peckham, yep, yep. It's Peckham, yeah, Peckham, uh, in the Nelson Mandela, Mandela House. House, yeah, that's it, yep. <laughs> uh, in a block of flats, um, and they are quite poor people. Um, as a family, there's Delboy, Rodney, and Grandad, and later Grandad um, passes away, and it's Uncle Albert, but it's basically a very similar role. Um, 
for a lot of the show, it's all set in this flat, this apartment, and it's just the absolute power of David, Sir David Jason and Nicholas Lindhurst just bickering for <laughs> for a half an hour most episodes. Um, it's just, it's quintessentially British. It's London, basically. It's very, um, like, a lot of the scenes, he's down at the market um, selling um, hooky gear, what they call, uh, which means, like, off the back of a lorry, just dodgy stuff, <laughs> like um, cheap Calvin Klein boxes, um, stuff like just weird, uh, dodgy watches and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, what I've done, rather than explain what Only Fools and Horses is and why he's a prick, I've, got a, I've brought these my favourite moments of his, or his most prickish moments. All right. <laughs> so, um, one of the earliest exploits, he stole... A- <laughs> He stole some lead from a building site, and it t- turned out to be a, a lead-lined fallout shelter. Um, <laughs> uh, they put the fallout shelter on the top of a tower block. <laughs> and, yeah, that's one of my favourite moments. Uh, but, yeah, he stole that from yeah. some builders. Um, he went to Miami on holiday and was mis- mistaken for a mafia boss, and they used him as a decoy. Um, he, he then used the mafia boss for a better holiday. <laughs> there's the uh the, the fancy dress one the famous one where they're dressed up as batman and robin um, yeah the car the wound. car breaks down so as they're running it looks like batman and robin are there he does a lot of prickish stuff at that uh council meeting um and the the world famous uh falling through the bar scene where he's trying to show off in front of uh some ladies in a club and he's leaning against a bar and then the barman comes and lifts the bar up and he falls straight through it, which is an absolute classic bit of comedy. But as well as him being a prick and he is, he definitely has a criminal record, 100%. Oh, absolutely. Like the police know him by name. He knows them by name. Uh, HMRC will be onto him. Yeah. That's supposed to be Inland Revenue back in Inland Revenue, yeah. He probably probably never paid... um, tax at all um what is it? The, the one i always remember is, is the where, they're, where they're trying to make um i think oh, they're, the they're trying to make wine or something like that in the flat yeah yeah um and and you get to see where they've got the, the still set up and all that and everything's kind of brewed and they're like they go off to bed and all the bottles start exploding yeah yeah because <laughs> they've over, over fermented it is the peckham springs episode where they find a little bit of a water uh they think it's a a spring but it's just a burst pipe but then they sell peckham springs <laughs> With its healing qualities, which <laughs> is a good one. But chandelier, the chandelier. Oh yeah, the chandelier. But that's that's not him being a prick on that one. No, <laughs> that's him just being incompetent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very funny. I mean, it's very funny. to be fair, you, you could you, you could sometimes feel sorry for Rodney, his brother, but he's just to say he's, he's got really a few GCEs. It's not very clever, is he? No, <laughs> not very clever at all. But as as much as him being a, a jerk, he is a consummate family man. And he would literally, he'd literally do anything for his brother. Um, he's taken a beating a good few times for Rodney and his friends. Um, but the sh- his sheer motivation is profit over decency, without a shadow of a doubt. And that's what really defines him as a jerk. Um, if you get, if you asked him to uh, hold on to ten pound for you, you wouldn't see that ten pound for a long time. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's just, he's not trustworthy. Um, but he's lovable. So, yeah, that's that's my pick. Del Boy, Derek Trotter. Yeah. And now we'll move swiftly back to Candy. Um, for my second pick, I've also gone English. Um, Finally. This, this is a character 
based um sorry this is this is a character from the bbc mockumentary this country it's martin mucklow oh. um i don't know if you've seen this country but it stars kerry and curtin yeah uh, who are cousins that are being that they've grown up in this cotswold village absolutely nothing happens um which i can relate to uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um and Martin Mucklow is Kerry, the main character's dad, and he's also played um, by her real-life dad. Um, all Kerry wants is a relationship. He's, he's gone on. He's had, uh, he's had more kids. He's not with Kerry's mum anymore. Mm. All Kerry wants is a relationship with her dad, and she just wants for nothing. She just wants him just to have a little bit of love, and he's, he's just completely ignores her. He's also a serial peeper as well. So he was peeping in the 70s. He was peeping in the 80s, <laughs> peeping in the 90s at Auntie Linda. He says he hates it. <laughs> Little peeper. Serial, absolute serial peeper. Um, at one point in the show, he manipulates Kerry into actually going to prison for him. He's done some sort of uh, dodgy deal wow. and because she just wants... A bit of love. She wants a bit of attention. She wants to prove him right. She agrees to take the fall. Mm. Um, and she's, she says, okay, come on, Dad. Let's go. Take me to the police station. I'll, uh, <laughs> take me away. <laughs> take me away. I'll go and admit to everything. Take me to the police station. And he says, well, it's not really on my way home, care. <laughs> so he can't, even, he can't even take it to the, the police boss. station. So... <laughs> He, she said her final words to him before she just, she says that she will take the rap for it is you do love me don't you dad <laughs> and he goes on to say well, it's it's not lo- it's not about love Kerry and he goes on to quote and I'll uh, do a dramatic reading for you oh lovely he goes on uh, to say a couple of years ago I had a job long haul lorry driving for Hawkins Bazaar and one day I was coming back from Dover late at night with a lorry load of puppets and this little dog darted in front of me. No collar, no nothing. I swerved to avoid him, but, well, I hit him head on. I stopped the cab, got down, and its legs were mangled like a drawer full of phone charges. <laughs> <laughs> I picked him up, cradled his head as he was dying. I looked into his big brown eyes, and I felt absolutely nothing. And you know why? <laughs> you know why? Because I've got no empathy. Zilch, zero, nothing. No points, nothing. What a guy! Wow. What a guy! Absolute bellend. Uh, but the whole sort of story arc with Kerry is her just desperately wanting attention from her dad, taking the fall, going to prison for him. She actually does go to prison for him, yeah. and realizing that actually maybe he is a prick, and maybe there's better people in her life that will look after her. There's uh, one of the main characters of, is a vicar, and he sort of is more of a father figure to her and Curtin than either of them have got. But he's, uh, there's something just fucking funny about him. <laughs> he is, he is funny. I, have, I have seen a few episodes of this and I enjoyed what I watched. It's, it's a weird mockumentary style as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. I, I don't think a lot of people have seen it. It's been out a long time. Mm. It got, I know it was critically uh, well, well, well liked. She famously turned up, I think it was um, possibly the BAFTAs wearing a Swindon Town dress. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was it. No, I haven't seen that. That's definitely gone past my radar. I'll check that out. Oh, you, you, I think you'll it, like it. Yeah, our generation growing up with just the beginnings of technology, but still going out to play and make dens and everything, and it's just them having never really properly got out of that phase. There's just nothing to do with, in this country town. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny, especially if you grew up, grew up with nothing to do. 
Absolutely. Excellent. Great choice. And uh, if you've not seen Our Country, go for it. Absolutely. Um, who are next? Uh, Biggie. Let's cut this out. It's Biggie. It's Biggie. Yeah. Biggie, you're next. <laughs> yeah, well, I've gone with, again, British. It's all, it's all come back. It's Good. coming home. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I've picked somebody a bit obvious, and it is David Brent. The biggest jerk in history. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, I've, We've all I've had that this, boss. Uh, yeah, I've seen... Oh. I've, I mean, I've been like him as well. <laughs> what's frightening <laughs> when you see a character like him, <laughs> there's just it's little snippets that obviously David Brent... Uh, David Brent... Um, Ricky Gervais has collected of people he knows, what he's observed. And when you actually recognise just a very small snippet of yourself in someone like that, it's just frightening. And he just delivers that character of David Brent just so well. It's a character that's utterly obsessed with pretty much just being liked by everybody he meets. That's all he kind of wants. Mm. He just wants to be the funny guy, the entertainer. He wants to be the best boss ever. And he's completely oblivious to the fact that he's not. Um, he is obviously from The Office, in case anyone doesn't know who he is. But I mean, right from the very first episode when he's interviewing a guy for the job as a forklift driver, the guy isn't even qualified. I can't he would like, wants this guy to like him. <laughs> so he goes out of his way to hire him, yeah. even though he's completely wrong for the job. It's the same episode where it ends up with a prank on Dawn, who is his real put-upon receptionist. This is the same receptionist that receives a fax. This is back in the days when faxes were still sent through. <laughs> A fact about an important agenda that, about the meeting that he's about he to says, have. Put it in a special filing manager. cabinet. <laughs> put it in a special filing cabinet, and he goes, "What's that?" And he goes and chucks it in the bin. <laughs> and then later on, he claims he's never received that fax in front of her. And Dawn <laughs> points out it's the one that you screwed up and chucked in the bin. I mean, it's just—he's just such a dick. It's untrue. The, my favorite episode myself is when the. Um, Outside facilitator comes in to do the training, oh, like God. the team building day. Oh no! Yeah, and David Brent just he can't even he wants let to take a guy over, hold. doesn't he? Yeah, he can't let a guy do a training session just for the simple fact that's what he's there for. He still has to doesn't want to be upstaged by anybody else. He does his utmost to take over that meeting to the point <laughs> where it ends with David Brent leaving, going home, and coming back with a guitar, yeah, so that he can play some original <laughs> songs that he wrote. <laughs> About Princess Diana. About yeah. Princess Diana. It's just <laughs> insane. And you just see this picture of this poor guy just sitting there, just shaking his head. Like, I can't believe this has actually happened. I mean, it's brilliant. And and yet, at times, through the series, you kind of sometimes just feel a little bit sorry for David at little points throughout the season when you just realise what a sad man that he is and just the lowest he gets at one point, particularly through, I think it was the follow-up show. They did season one and two, and they stopped. Then they did a Christmas show. And the film. Which, um, oh, sorry, yeah, and they did a film. Mm. But there, there are little bits that you see about his life outside of the office once yeah. um, he gets fired. And again, how his life hasn't quite turned out the way he wanted. Um, but he yeah, maxing it, it, his credit just, cards out and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, falling asleep in a hotel room yeah. drunk, watching TV and things yeah. like that. And But <laughs> when he has his celebrity appearance in a nightclub, it, it's just, that is superbly oh, done. Oh, God, it's Brilliant. so good. Very, and it is the beginning of that sort of cringe uh, mockumentary. It was the first uh, one I ever saw. 
the first one over. So I actually caught The Office by accident. I turned it on and didn't even know what I was watching. I just thought, this is insane. I can't believe. I'd never seen Ricky Gervais in my life. And I saw that, I was like, is this fucking real? Yeah, (laughs) it it definitely got me for a little while until I realised through that episode that, yeah, this is. Yeah, this ain't real. Yeah, but uh, he is. Did not tweak when you when you got when you got to the credits and it said Ricky Gervais as. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's during that that episode that I caught. It was just kind oh, of like I actually thought I was watching a documentary until you just suddenly realised, yeah, this is way too much. It's very cleverly put together. It's very it, it's good at misleading you like that because the thing is, most people who have worked in an office, like yep. I haven't known a David Brent, but I've definitely known a Tim and Dawn. I've I've known a yeah, Gareth. Yeah, totally. Like, very well. Observed. Like David Brent is possibly the most extreme version of the yeah. person that you work with. My old job, I worked with David Brent Jr. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I was his boss, so that helped. I think I'm also lucky. I've never worked in sales. I think if you work in sales, you're, you're more likely to encounter someone. Yes, that, it's hardcore, mate. It's proper hardcore. <laughs> He's so observant of mannerisms as well, isn't he, Ricky Gervais? Yeah. He just perfectly, absolutely hits the nail on the head. He, with everything he literally he looks at the camera more than anyone in that show. He wants the cameraman to be like, yeah, we get you. <laughs> but but he, 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 that's just it. He, he, he does that so well. And yes, I know it maybe got it. I don't know if it could have gone any further than that. I think maybe ending it when they did was right. But it, it's just, like Joe says, just the way... He looks at the camera. The little faces that he pulls are just superb. Oh, so, you're so good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just love. Um, I love the show. I, and again, it maybe hasn't probably aged as well. Certainly uh, hasn't seen it for a while. But um, the, the, there's a, a lot of humour in that show that I think will stand the time. And I'm glad that uh, I've seen that. I love that show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely great pick. Great pick, gadget. Uh, so my next one, I was going to talk about uh, someone else, but just when you mentioned about going British, I, I thought this one just popped into my head. Malcolm Tucker from uh, The Thick of It. Fucking hell. <laughs> he was on my shortlist. <laughs> wow. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's kind of an objective baddie, but like when you, when I looked up his like Wikipedia, it's, he's marked as the anti-hero. Yeah, I, the he's, he's not a baddie baddie, but he's not a goodie. <laughs> no, so uh, if you haven't seen the thick of it, it is um, it's incredible. A, it's, it's it's a parody satire mockumentary of um, kind of of um, life working for a political party. Yes, um, it's not really established who the political party is. It's it's kind of modelled on Labour in the nineties. Yeah, New um, Labour and yeah, on New Labour. Malcolm Tucker is the um, kind of communications director character, heavily um, modelled on um, Alistair. Shit, I can't remember his surname. Campbell. Campbell. Uh, Alistair Campbell, that's it, thank you. I don't know why that fell out of my head there. I, 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 I had to drag it out then. <laughs> yeah, um, heavily modelled on him. For a programme on the BBC, I think this he might have the most swear words. Yes. Ever oh, written. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, think he, I think he broke a, 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 t, a British, uh, British TV a record. Uh, record, yeah. Yeah. Um, he is universally feared by everybody working in the party. And yeah. w- w- when you talk about government, it is actually proper government. So, like, w- the, the series starts with uh, um, Chris Langham's character, who is an MP. Yeah. Um, and his office is a shambler's shite. Um, <laughs> they're all completely ineffective at what they do. They all kind of bumble through PR crisis after PR crisis. And it's Malcolm Tucker that kind of wafts in from 10 Downing Street to um, tear them in your asshole. <laughs> and he's. I suppose you could probably say he's like the British equivalent to Dr. Cox from Scrubs. Because it is, but without the caring. He doesn't care. All he wants oh, is no. the, um, all he wants is to push whatever the government's agenda he's is. He's a pure, to hot-blooded all... politician. 
Yeah, well, he's not, but he's not a politician. Yeah, well, he's, he's just playing politics. Yeah, playing politics. Um, and it's kind of hard to describe. He's played expertly by uh, Peter Capaldi. Peter Capaldi, like, fucking Doctor Who is just so good at, like... He's good at everything. Doctor, like, if you watch Doctor, the, the Doctor Who seasons with, um, with Peter Capaldi, I know they're not the best ones, but, like, you have moments where he's caring and when he's aggressive and when he's happy and when he's sad and when he's upset... Malcolm Tucker is angry. It's just 100% angry all the time. He has two speeds, angry and angrier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he does, he does. And rather than just try to describe him, I, I, I'm just, I've found a collection of his quotes. Perfect, yes. Um, I'm, I'm down for this. Can you do it in a Scottish accent? Fuck off, can I? <laughs> uh, you'll get him in a Geordie accent. Um, I'll do. So the first one is, uh, Terry, when I want your advice, I'll give you the special signal, which is me being sectioned under the Mental Health Act. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's the that's the only one without swear words. <laughs> uh, actually, no, no, sorry. The second one doesn't have swear words either. Um, no, he's useless. He's absolutely useless. He's as useless as a marzipan dildo. Oh God! Imagine <laughs> when describing a senior MP. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this guy's an epic fuck up. He's so dense that light bends around him. <laughs> that's, that's fucking clever. I'd love to stop and chat to you, but I'd rather have type 2 diabetes. <laughs> um, but my absolute favourite one from him, uh, and this is, the, this is a takedown, a proper takedown of a politician. Um, and I have, to, I have to go to BuzzFeed to find this one. That's how far I've had to look for it to wow, actually get this one. dark web. Yeah. <laughs> I've come across a lot of psychos, but none as fucking boring as you. I mean, you're a real boring fuck. I'm sorry, I know you, di- I'm sorry, I know you disapprove of the swearing, so I'll sort that. You're a boring F star star cunt. <laughs> yeah. um, legend. And in fact, like this character, I mean, my entire family loves this character. I was talking to my mother about the, about the thick of it the other day, and she and she she rattled off one of her favorite quotes of his, which is when there's someone who's, who's who wants to come into his office but doesn't isn't really sure about it, and he just he, he just snaps up to them and says, "Either come the fuck in or fuck the fuck off." Yeah, <laughs> and. The delivery of the lines from Peter Capaldi is just incredible because he just rattles off these swear words, these vicious barbs, these painful insults so easily and so quickly. He won it's loads amazing. of from that. Oh, he did, yeah. He won loads of awards. He got a lot of work out of yeah. it. Uh, obviously, it was all written by Armando Iannucci, who is just mm. a master at satire. Yep. Yeah. The man is incredible. and he, I, I, If you haven't seen Death of Stalin, see that because, oh, again, God, that's, that's so good. The, that is Fantastic political satire, but also fantastic direction on that one. And Russians with Yorkshire um, accents. Yeah, why not? Yeah, <laughs> He helped with Alan Partridge as well. Yeah. Massive fan of him. Yeah, so, um, yeah, just seriously, what to the, the, my only criticism of the thick of it itself, uh, rather than Malcolm Tucker, is the first two seasons they do is the, um, they do that kind of uh, mock documentary uh, handheld shaky cam. Yeah. Oh. And the, fir- the first three episodes of it, because they, they were like, there were lots of little short seasons of it, just whenever there was something big politically going on in the UK. Mm. Um, you watch the first couple of series of it, it's really hard to watch. It's as if the cameraman's shocked by people shouting and that, and they're like shaking the cameras and stuff. It's... Yeah, I think, well, I think the, what they're trying to do is they're trying to do that documentary style of like making sure the cameraman is, is, is as far out the way as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you couldn't do with like The Office because The Office itself was small. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really shaky. And like by the later seasons, like, especially when uh, Chris Langham's character is dropped out of it um, for very good reasons. <laughs> um, when um, when when they change the focus and the focus becomes more about Malcolm than the actual politicians, 
um, the camera work kind of settles down a bit and it's a bit more watchable. Yeah. yeah. So funny. And, you know, and, and, and any time a character will just end a phone call to, to the Prime Minister by saying, fuckity bye. Yeah, if you, don't, if you don't want to watch it all, there's so many YouTube clips of him. It's oh, yeah. so, oh, so... And in a lot of cases, to get the most impact, you don't even need the context no, not of at what all. he's saying, of, of, of why he's insulting someone. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was trying to find a quote where uh, it's very similar to the other one where you said, like the, the last one you said about, I'll tone down the swearing, yeah. where someone literally swear he's ranting like fuck. And someone just, what some random guy just says, like, can you tone down the swearing or something? He just basically walks up and goes, okay, I'll turn down the swearing. You fat fucking cunt! And then just walks <laughs> off. And I was just like watching it. I was like, Bleh! like just spit my water out. I was just like... <laughs> oh, he's not scared. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, fuck me. He's just like, yeah. He, get, he, he, he gets like, really, oh yeah, okay, okay. And then he just like shouts at him and it's he just It's guttural though, isn't it? It's almost like <laughs> yeah. coming from a place subhuman. <laughs> I've never yeah, seen it, yeah. but I know oh, the should. character and I've seen some of the clips, which is why it's, I know who you're yeah, talking it's, about. It's everywhere worth watching. Like, I in missed the, like, it when it came out. In the very first episode, um, the, 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 there is a moment where they realise they've fucked up something in, in the delivery of, um, of some news to, in the PR cycle. And um, the, the receptionist goes to Hugh Abbott, who's Chris Langham's character, and says, uh, Malcolm's on his way. Fuck. Yeah. Like, he's so, so scared, scared of him. immediately. Because <laughs> <laughs> if Malcolm Tucker is leaving his office to come talk you're to you, fucked. you know you're fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's one thing in being on the phone, it's another thing in being yeah. on the way. <laughs> Imagine working for someone like that. You're just terrifying. You would. <laughs> really would. You're not supposed to be scared of your boss. <laughs> no. Respect them, don't fear them. Yeah. Excellent, good choice there. Uh, Stig, your final one? Yep, just to uh, not annoy you, Oodles. I've gone for a British guy as well. I, I weren't only kidding. I do I do like a select few American shows. <laughs> yeah. So I have gone for one, Arnold Judas Rimmer. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> wow. By Chris Barry. Uh, so uh, Rimmer is once the second lowest technician aboard the Red Dwarf. <laughs> He now serves as the highest ranking member of board after being resurrected as a hologram yeah. due to the only other crew me- member surviving uh, the radiation poisoning being lower than him, and that's Lister. Yep. And he doesn't he just let Lister know this? Oh, yes. Every opportunity. <laughs> yep. Even though it's technically meaningless, in Rimmer's mind, he's the boss. Even though he was literally lower than service robots. <laughs> Like three service robots outranked him. Yeah. Because he is now the highest member after all the rest of the crew died. It's like. And he's technically not alive anyway. Yeah, he is the boss. Yeah, even though he's technically not alive. Like, (laughs) obviously, Lister just doesn't listen to him or give a shit. But Rimmer is smarmy, narcissistic, cowardly, uh, but naturally witty. um, Oh, yeah. With real insecurity issues. Um, (laughs) As a person. Uh, you obviously learn due to his kind of family upbringing. He's he's the youngest brother. He's kind of got that young brother like status. His other family members him. were quite high up in the uh, in the yeah, ranks, and he wasn't. And yeah. um, it's kind of left him paranoid, delusional, and insecure. But very he's pretty much invented self-deprecation, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's very uptight, um, but he displays a serious lack of understanding people. Yeah, he, he yeah. loves he loves a rule, but there's there's absolutely no street smarts to him whatsoever. Oh yeah. Oh, speaking of rules, the notes I made, he said he he quotes the space directives. Yep. 
all the time, all the even time. though he always quotes them wrong, yep. just for some self sense of legitimacy. Um, and he's always doing his stupid bloody salute, salute, <laughs> three three spin salute. Yeah, yeah, which which is just ridiculous. Um, You'll never yeah. see him without his uniform on either. Nope, he, he's he's stupid, misogynistic, and unbearably petty. Like it's just it's just this long line of words and yeah. to just describe how much of a prick he is. <laughs> he's horrible. <laughs> Bluntly put, he's a dick. Yeah, he's horrible. He's not yeah. evil. He's just horrible. Yeah. Uh, he's always putting Lister, Crichton and the cat down due to his superiority complex despite his own failings he seems to blame everyone he's upbringing all Lister like it's everyone else's fault it's not his fault yep Um, and his insults they're still really funny and clever and I don't feel like I mean sometimes they are but they're not really mean spirited to the point where he's like being a complete horrible person He's just being a smarmy fucker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like they tread a really good line with him where like you, you can laugh at his insults. I think I think as episodes like, oh. go on, he appreciates the fact that he's got someone to talk to. Yeah. I was gonna say because Other than Holly, the robot. Yeah, despite all this, like he and Lister have this weird unspoken bond. Yeah. Like they are best friends, but they're not. Yeah. Like, they would never admit it to each other, but they are. They're the, they're the two people who need each other the most because he, if you don't know, the reason that Rimmer exists is because the computer decided to revive Rimmer because he was the person who spoke to Lister the most. Yes. Because they lived together. As yeah, they being shared the two a bunk lowest, lowest ranking yeah, people on the ship. Um, but that's the kind of... Um, like I think he actually cares for Lister and their friendship, and that's like the human side that kind of redeems him a little from being an enjoyable jerk, not just like a complete bastard that you dislike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he has redeeming, especially later on, before the like the reboot. He has a lot of redemption as a character. Yeah, a lot. And, and like, but even in the reboot, he's he can't get past that. Like, he has to be the top yes, dog yes. in that group, and he can't get past anything. And there's even there's an episode in season twelve where he's tight, he's dimensional hopping. Yeah. He's trying to find the perfect life. And he comes across one where he has everything he's ever wanted. He has the perfect family, perfect wife, the perfect job. This is Rimmer's perfect life. But he doesn't stay there purely because Lister is the captain. Yeah. He can't cope. Like, he, he, can't, he, can't, he, can't he cannot cope with the fact that Lister outranks him. But yeah. Despite the fact that everything else in that universe perfect. is perfect for him. And it's the life he always wanted. And Lister's not rather, even a wanker to him or anything. It's just... No, he would rather go back and sit with the three of them in the yeah. our dimension that we know, sitting there and playing cards with them because he just cannot face the fact that he doesn't outrank Lister. And that's because that's how much of a bellend he is. He's driving force. Yeah. He's, he's, he's driving forces he always wants to be number one and uh, I, win that group of four he is technically the highest ranked yeah. and he'd ra- he would rather have a shitty life just to be the highest ranked person because he just I always enjoy the episodes where they get to take Rimmer out of his own head and get to like play with a different part of his personality yeah I do yeah yeah, yeah. Um, like uh, in series three the very first polymorph episode <laughs> where, the, where, where, the, where the emotional vampire creature Takes away his um, anger, yeah, and he and he becomes like a peace loving hippie. 
<laughs> and, he, and and you know they they've all had some part of their personality taken, and they're, they're trying to sort of like, we we need to stop this creature, we need to destroy this. And he's sat there, he's got a little goatee beard and glasses That's on. It, yeah. And he says, "Well, okay, well, what we need to do is hit it really hard and really fast with a leafleting campaign." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Interdimensional creatures, no thanks, and stuff like that. <laughs> or the um, there's I think there's two episodes in total with Ace Ace Rimmer. Ace River, which is oh, the, which, which is the alter, alternate universe version of him, where he's Smoke incredibly me a successful. For breakfast, That's exactly, it. yeah. And does it does that? He walk, he walks through, walks through a corridor, and everyone's going, "What a guy!" Yeah, he's the man. <laughs> <laughs> and no one has ever delivered alphabeti spaghetti better than him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They play on his insecurities and stuff, loads, don't they? Like that episode yeah. where he's like dressed in the little schoolgirl outfit. He's like, Rimmer's oh. not here anymore. <laughs> yeah. was, 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 was that, was that, that was Mr. Flibble, wasn't it? Mr. Flibble's yeah. Yeah. angry with you. Yeah. Freaked me out as a kid, that episode. <laughs> Such a good yeah, yeah. Really good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Rimmer's amazing. And he's, he, he is probably the definition of, of, um, of a jerk or a bastard because he just is. Like, there's nothing nasty about him. He is just a dickhead. Yeah. 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 And he's not malicious with anything he does. Oh, no. no it's, it's not his fault. It's just who he is. He's yeah, born it's that his, way. It's false, but it's just born from his superiority complex. Yeah. That's what it is. Like he has to be in charge and the man, and and he can't deal with like the only person around him is a slob. Yeah, who oh, just doesn't it, give it, a shit. Yeah. <laughs> in the in, in the in the first episode with Ace Rimmer, you, you, there is a really good moment where Lister's talking with the Ace version of Rimmer, um, and he and he's saying like, so, you know. Rimmer's, uh, my Rimmer's only the way he is because he didn't get any of the breaks in school. And he's like, no, no, in my universe, I didn't, I didn't get the breaks. The, the one here, he got all the fancy schools, he got the good grades and that. The reason why Ace Rimmer is so good is because he failed as a child. Yeah, and that was the and, issue. And worked. and Worked and to like, get where he is. For- yeah, he was forced to work hard and get to where he is, whereas the Rimmer in... In the universe that we were, there's it? a lot of dimension jumping in Red Dwarf. Yeah, um, but but yeah, he, he had all of the advantages. He had the good schools. He had the rich parents. Mm. He had all the everything pure middle class. Forward. Yeah, mm. and he squandered it all to be a petty, arrogant cunt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we've so said that petty. word a lot today, haven't we? Ooh. Yeah, yeah. But to, but to be fair, you can't oh, say when you're quoting Malcolm. Tommy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent, great choice. Um, it's almost. At the top pick of our bunch until you hear my final choice. Uh, oh. This person is a force of nature. Probably the biggest jerk slash asshole slash prick in on this planet. Um, worldwidely known. Um, as soon as I mention it, you might be like, what? Surely he's just pure evil incarnate. Mr. Bean. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean is an arsehole. He is the biggest arsehole to ever grace the screens. Um, silver screens twice as as well. Um, is it a second film? Yes, he did. Yeah. He did two films. Mr. Bean's one, one, Holiday. Yeah, one called Bean, one called Mr. Bean's Holiday. In both of them, <laughs> an absolute prick. Um, played expertly by Rowan Atkinson. Almost like a clown, like a mime. Do you know what I mean? Very physical. Yeah. Very expertly played um now retired so there's no mr beans anymore he's all a cat i think he's a cartoon now isn't it for kids yes um but it is all family friendly to a degree unless you have to explain certain things that's happening to children because there's some horrible stuff um you all know who mr bean is he's huge in 
almost every country. Um, massive in China, uh, big in Australia, America. They all know him. Africa know him. I've, I've double checked. He's, he's been. Did you ask? I asked them all, every single one of them. <laughs> I phoned every embassy up this afternoon. My phone bill's sky high. <laughs> but yeah, um, he's worldwide known. Everyone knows Mr. Bean. Um, so rather than explain his nature, because we all know it, I've got a, a, a few of his jerkier moments, the worst things he's potentially ever done. So very early on, he pretended to be a hairdresser. For what reason? Chaos. <laughs> pure chaos. The hairdresser episode it makes no sense why he does it. It, it, it. There's literally no explanation. And if you have got an explanation and you're listening to this, please write in. Um, <laughs> on the Christmas episode, he shuts the door on the kids singing Christmas carols. Um, Go away. Gives it all that. <laughs> <laughs> For no reason. Good yeah. He does that. For no reason. There's no reason. Because these kids are cute little kids just asking for it. And it's like, go away. He just doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't want none of it. He doesn't want none of it. Um, Nick, brushing his teeth whilst driving. Does that. He, three that. times he's, been, he's done that. He's done that on two of the films. And he's done that on one of the episodes. Brushing his teeth while driving. Looking in the mirror. <laughs> while he's brushing his teeth that's that's a prick thing to do um, on one of the films he spiked a guard a, a guard's coffee with laxatives after destroying a, a, a painting so that's pretty naughty you can kill people by doing that yeah, but he's trying to he's trying to put it right isn't he yes still he's a prick <laughs> he could have killed him um, he kidnapped a child twice yep. <laughs> so he's, he's, also, he's done that which is pretty naughty Pretty evil, if you think about it. Pretty naughty. Yeah, I think it's right up there, is it not? Yeah, he's pretty. Yeah, yeah, and he got away with, it with the police by the police looking away, and he's walked off. He's he's, he's a mastermind. He's a criminal mastermind. He's a wrecking ball. Um, he tried to charge his camera at a World War Two film set and set off a live bomb instead, nearly killing tens of hundreds of people. So he set a bomb off. And possibly killed a heart attack victim by trying to resuscitate him with a car jumper cable. So, yes, I remember that one. So yeah, um, I don't. Let's, 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 let's not forget though. In the first film, he also he also drops an M M&M and M into uh, someone who's having open heart surgery. Yes, he does, and tries to pull it out and becomes oh, the he surgeon. He uses his hands. He's just like Rrr. yeah. He, he dresses yeah. up as the surgeon and gets in there, and he actually does save his life though. Does yeah the the worst worst one I ever thought and it's because I've never been a huge fan of Mr Bean but this one scene always sticks into me it's just how fucking mean it is mm. and there's an episode where he decides to play golf oh god oh yeah, yeah. and it's and and he's and he uh, when he he, he he buggers up a shot at the very beginning the beginning of his time playing golf and someone says you've got to keep playing forward mm-hmm. you can't take your ball back and start again so everywhere the ball lands he just hits it from where it lands. And there's one point, there's a, there's a, there's a, a mum and a kid at an ice cream van and she gives the ice cream to the kid and his ball lands on the ice cream. So Mr. Bean runs up where the ball, the kid's holding this ice cream cone. He hits the ball, obviously whacks the top off the ice cream. Yep. The mum then turns around and says, you've eaten that so quickly, you're not getting any more. And the poor kid's dragged off. Yep. I thought that's the most horrible thing. He's an horrible thing. bastard. He's an horrible bastard. <laughs> um, but there's a conspiracy theory going about that a lot of people believe Mr. Bean to be uh, Lucifer, uh, the fallen angel, <laughs> Satan himself. So at the beginning of each episode, you see him getting kicked out of heaven by the bright light, landing on earth. And yeah, so maybe I did cheat. Maybe he's not just a jerk. Maybe he is pure evil. So 
Maybe yeah. I did. No, I um, he is a jerk. Like I, the one thing that I thought about, obviously, was the, ha- the first thing was the hairdressing episode. Oh, I don't know why just, he's like, there. Cut, where he just like cuts that kid's hair for no reason, yeah. like just puts a shaves through it, and and then the second one was the one where he goes on a date in the cinema. Oh, he's horrible. And oh, yeah. He comes back with some popcorn. And like he's got this bag of popcorn, he's got this big bag of popcorn, yeah. and he reaches in and he passes over this tiny little one over to yeah. his date, and then he, he takes a bit out of it, yeah, and, and eats it, <laughs> and then she tries to take some out of his, and he slaps her hand away. Well, that's his that's his reoccurring girlfriend that, that yeah. turns up on and the he's Christmas got, episode and because he doesn't want to share his drink. He's got it hidden under his t shirt, yeah. so he so he keeps going for this straw under his under his jumper. Sorry, because he doesn't want to share his drink with his date. Yeah, he's, he's horrible. And the time when he buys an armchair and he doesn't want to pay for delivery, so he puts it on top of his mini and drives it. All the, all, all the amount of um, uh, reliant Robin drivers that he nearly kills because he just randomly knocks them off the yeah, road. Yeah, they always turn on the side. <laughs> yeah, that's a great joke to be honest. Yeah. Did he headbutt the monarchy? I did. Yes, it did by accident. <laughs> Well, he nearly killed his landlord when um, he was decorating by putting yeah. a firecracker in a in a paint can. Yeah, <laughs> and also I believe he got a turkey stuck on his head before Friends did. Yes, so several years before, in fact, they copied that, and that's why Friends is bad. But yeah, um, Mr. and as a lesson to learn from modern escapism this week, <laughs> Friends is bad. <laughs> so yeah, I just think Mr. Bean is the it's the ultimate the the epitome of um, just. Being a jerk, um, like the set of conspiracies might be true. He might be, uh, he might be Satan himself. Um, but who knows? He's retired now. Maybe he's gone back to hell, <laughs> where he belongs. But yeah, Mister Bean. So that's that's us with our jerks. But I believe there's a big jerky sack right under your desk there. I <laughs> segue. Shake that jerky sack. <laughs> You've been waiting the whole recording yep. to say that, haven't yeah, you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so in the mailbag this week, starting off with uh, uh, Wayne Her, the last ginger. <laughs> last ginger. How are we saying it? Um, for context, the biggest joke was on my TV. The joke at Biggie. And he posted a, a picture of Biggie in his cloud <laughs> getup from the Final Fantasy VII stream. <laughs> and if you look Biggie. on our Twitter, you will, see, you will see that picture as well. Biggie, you, you look like a gorgeous look- little fuck boy. Oh, you are oh, cute. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Do you know what? I, I, was, I think uh, he's uh, calling you a jerk because you led us all into that stream and then we had to sit and watch a blue screen. <laughs> you know, you messaged me just after 9 30 because that's when I said I was coming on. You said, like, everybody's waiting for you. Yeah. I was literally putting that git up on. <laughs> With a bike helmet. Because, because the, the hair was getting in my eyes. Literally, as I was about to hit the button for broadcasting, I flipped my head back, my wig shot off. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to run over and get it. Maybe that, you're Mr. Bean. Maybe he's, he's been reincarnating <laughs> to your body. But yeah, that's why I was late by a couple of minutes, because I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, Lee Davies at Leroy Francisco on Twitter says, uh, everybody in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is a total arsehole. Mm-hmm. But I think oh, Dennis Reynolds takes the crown. He's a complete psychopath, narcissistic, and possibly a sexual predator. Oh, there's, the no pos- there's no possibility <laughs> about it. Yeah. Over the 10 plus years of the show, the characters really developed a truly terrifying monster, but we always have to remember that he is a five-star man and a golden god. Yes, we do. <laughs> I'm just making my way through that show. Yeah, I'm slowly getting through it as well. I'm, 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 the, more I, the more I watch it, the more I enjoy it. Yeah, it, 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 it's a... 
I know a lot of people who've not liked it when they've started watching it then gotten into it. I, I kind of think it's like Stockholm Syndrome of TV. Yeah. You watch mm. enough of it, you end up loving I'm it. I'm on the seasons yeah. now where it's not in the 4.3 format, so I've gone to widescreen now. It's getting it. it looks- oh, oh so, so, so you love past Fat Mac, will yep. you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Really? I am... Um- I would have put them. I would have if we hadn't have talked about them so much on this pod yeah, since yeah. the start of it. Like they I would have been number that. one on my list to like. Yeah. I think there's, talk there's, about. there is evil in there though. That's the problem. I think there is. Oh, in there, in, there, in is Dennis, there is. True. I mean, yeah. I mean the, the 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 prom episode where you know they go out to the back of his car and they see and this, <laughs> they see the the cable ties and the ropes. It's like Dennis, what is this? And it it looks like a a, a serial killer's kind of kidnapping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, no, no, I, it's just my tools. I need my tools. I like to be bound and I like yeah. to bind and it's just like ooh he is a creepy fucker yeah. <laughs> it's like one of the most out because it's very it's always implied it's always the implication of um of, that he's a psychopath and a um sex offender and it's just like it's very rare that you get a moment like that where it's just like oh that's really obvious yeah. <laughs> I now know what wild card bitches means now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, President Weevil at Prez Weevil uh, says has to be Blackadder for me intelligent mm. scheming devious sarky as fuck and interested in one thing only saving his own ass. yeah and yet at the same time you can't help admiring his balls yeah <laughs> he's so cunning you could pin a tail on him and call him a fox yeah and if, if anyone has never seen Blackadder you're an idiot. Go watch it. Yeah. He's not like that in the first series, though, is he? He's a proper sniveling. No, it's, it's completely it's, different. It's it's fl- flipped around in the first season, yeah. but he's like the sniveling, conniving, horrible little toad, and Baldrick is the clever one. Yes. Yeah. It, it would never have worked. They flipped it, it would, over. It and, kept going yeah. that way. But they're all canonically relatives, so yeah. it just happens. The uh, and, and great entrance episode to watch would be uh, the one with the Bishop of Bath and Wells. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Absolute psychopath. <laughs> um, the recasted podcast said uh, he posted a picture of Dr. Gregory House. Oh, highly intelligent. Yeah. And not, yeah. you're not a jerk if you're being honest. He doesn't like <laughs> humans, does he? I've never watched House. House. He, 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 he treats, he treats so the good. cases as puzzles rather than, <laughs> rather than helping people. But he has yeah. an arc. He has an arc. So. Yeah. The, the yeah. only thing I know from House is just that family guy thing where he just keeps going, House. House, house, like, house is good. <laughs> there was just too many house. Yes. The, 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 best, the best thing I ever saw with house is that it's in one of the later seasons. Because I watch it all and I, I love it. It's a great show. But the whole point of the, whole point of the, season, the series is that he's a doctor that specializes in working out weird, weird. diseases. Really yeah. weird. And, and, he, and, he, and he has his own department called um, Diagnostic Medicine. Yeah. That's where it is. And they have like unlimited budget to do whatever they want to try and work out what these and weird diseases are. it's definitely never lupus. No. Um, and the, there is there is one there is one point where he's explaining what he does to like an auditor or something like that. He says, and he says, "So you're a doctor?" He says, "Well, no. What what I do is the cases come in, and we have to then spend the time. We have to work out what's going on. We have to cure them." He says, "So you're a doctor? <laughs> Why do you have a special department for this? You're a doctor." <laughs> and he he completely stumped because he can't explain why his department is special. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh, it's good, but yeah, I think there's too much house. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, also, adding to that, uh, at the Teacup Goblin, CJ Upson has said uh, it has to be Dr. House. Hugh Laurie just inhabited the role. A wonderful journey discovering uh, being right is not always the most important thing. You know, among the addictions and general assaults and sexual harassment stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And a bad accent. Did not oh, like I've forgotten his best uh, You say like that, this. but Americans did not know he was English. So mm. they seem yeah, to be full. The fact yeah, that I've, they didn't know Hugh Laurie is just a shock. Yeah, yeah, but they like, didn't know he was English. That's the 
it, mm. it took it took me a long time when I first watched House to like, like oh, no, no he's, he's not Prince George he's not Prince George yeah, yeah. yeah. that's what I mean <laughs> that's what I mean terrestrial um, oh, Terrestrial Extras, um, he took exception to the thumbnail that we put out on Twitter about this one, saying uh, the modern escapism thumbnail needs adjusting to uh, add Cersei Lannister, which I don't think she counts because she is actually a baddie. Evil. She's pure yeah. evil. Um, yeah. And Ross from Friends. Evil. Sure. <laughs> no. No. Pure evil. Um, he, says, he says, yes, David Brent is the king of the jerks, but Arnold Rimmer will be my favourite because he's easier to watch and less close to any real person. Just smeg heat. <laughs> See, I suggested Ross from Friends and just he just ignored me. You'll have to speak to our art department. Yeah. <laughs> says, what should I put in it? I said, try Ross from Friends and then just puts Chandler in. Chandelier. I was like, I was like did he just did he just put no, no, Dr. Chandler Bong? Yeah. He won't get he won't get that. I don't know what that means. Oh, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 one of the favourite gags of anyone who's ever well, watched it. From what I've watched of Friends, Chandelier is the biggest <laughs> idiot in there. He's just a jerk. Uh, ben at X-Ben Blaster X has said Dr. Cox has got to be my favourite TV arsehole he treats everyone including himself like trash talks down to everyone rude, obnoxious but still hilarious at the same time and deep down you know he's just doing his best to help all these junior doctors survive which is basically what Stig said he's got a lot of votes uh, today as uh, Dr. Just Cox a lot quicker than me um, <laughs> it's a fandom thing podcast at fandom thing pod on Twitter uh, says Brian Kinney from Queer as Folk I'll agree oh, with that yeah. one oh yeah he could be a major 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 jerk but he grows a lot throughout the show and is actually a very giving character underneath mm. it all. I've had a lot of podcasts talking to us this week because the Sounds Creepy podcast, Sounds Creepy pod on Twitter, That's creepy. says Niles from The Nanny is the best TV jerk in my opinion. He's an equal arsehole to all, sharp as a knife and sly as a fox. Can't look away. Also, Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. Not sure if he counts because he's evil. already the villain, but he is a delight. He's evil. Uh, if, you haven't watched the, if you haven't watched The Nanny, Niles plays the, uh, Niles is the butler for the, for the household and he's a... Uh, He's an he's an acerbic cunt. I don't know what he's the nanny not. is. I've never. <laughs> it's a it's no, it's a it's a it's a 90s sitcom starring Fran Drescher where she plays a, a nanny to a rich family. Oh, uh, and and it has the trappings of a 90s sitcom. Like it's got that look of like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air and like that kind of thing. It was like one of those NBC sitcoms. At the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it still actually holds up to a point. It's really funny. There's some problematic stuff in it, as there is in every sitcoms I <laughs> want to have. But yeah, it's it is worth watching. It's really good. Uh, Dan a, a tree smurf. Sorry, Stig just punched his microphone. There. He's angry. He, he's mad <laughs> that he's never seen he's the such nanny. such a jerk. <laughs> Dan Atreesmith says, uh, one for Stig here mainly. The wrestler Chris Jericho has got to be one of the greatest oh. all-time jerks, or heels if I'm using the proper term. Mm-hmm. He had a huge career and constantly reinvented himself, but his most entertaining roles are usually when he's being arrogant, clueless, obnoxious, or daft. My favourite phase was a, was the list of Jericho, which built up so perfectly over the space of a year to him eventually becoming a sympathetic good guy. Stick, elucidate for us, what is the list of Jericho? <laughs> yeah, so Chris Jericho was close to being... Well, he's on my shortlist um, for this. Um, but, you know, wrestling, I can't talk about it too Wrestling. Uh, the list of Jericho is basically that anyone... It just kind of came out from nowhere where someone said something to him once and it pissed him off. And he just went, you just made the list. Like, and it was like a list of what? <laughs> and it was just like, and then eventually got to the point where he had like a clipboard and a board. And it was just anyone that pissed him off. He'd be like, you made the list. And he'd like write the name on the list of like, <laughs> I, you have pissed me off. You are on my list. But then obviously people like started to enjoy it so much. So like it kind of turned him more into a good guy. As is the right. one in, in wrestling is if something gets over and is really funny, it's hard for a bad guy 
to kind of carry that on because everyone just enjoys it. So basically got to the point where he'd build it up. Someone would say something and he went, you know what? You know what's going to happen, don't you? And the crowd's yeah. kind of like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And it's it like, made the list. you just made the list. Everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> Wrestling fans are really easy to please. He also did the <laughs> biggest jerk oh, move. No, as well. no, they're not. No, they are not. He did the biggest jerk move by starting a really Just bad band. Go on wrestling Twitter and you will find out that wrestling fans are not easy to please. <laughs> wrestling yeah, Twitter? Yeah, well, people you know, like wrestling people fans. Talking about wrestling oh, right, I thought there was like a, a no WWE Twitter. No, 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 just a community of wrestling. Oh, yeah, 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 don't, yeah. Give, don't give Vince McMahon ideas. If he can make money from it, he will. WWE.twitter.com. The list of Jericho basically became that Bart Simpson mean of say the line. Right, okay. Fair enough. I reckon we should start an ME list. You're on it. The We Needed Roads podcast at Needed Roads. I'm assuming that's a Back to the Future thing. It better be. Uh, it is, yeah. They they posted a gif of Gob Bluth from Arrested Development. Joe Bluth. I knew you'd get that wrong. I've never seen it, so I wouldn't know. Joe. You've never seen it? It loves Blue Man Group. Oh, I even love Arrested funny. Development. I thought yeah, yeah. Right I probably would. It's, 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 one of, it's one of those gaps in my watching time. I did think about it and I put it in there and I went, no, surely he's watched it, so you know it's, I know it's Joe. Yeah, Joe Bluth is horrendous. He is a he's a pure joke. Then again, the whole, all of the Bluths are. I'm going to say it. Yeah, the whole family. Are, alone. The whole family <laughs> are just jerks. Even George Michael. Yeah, yeah, joke, yeah. Not Did the singer. Just not having a fifth. No, no, no. no. Yeah. The, the, it, uh, the son of uh, Michael Sarah is called George Michael. All oh, right, okay. Uh, Jenna Stannis at Abducted Cow uh, says uh, Walter White. He's not an awful person without redeeming features. What? Sometimes he seems to really care and give a crap. And seeing the perennial victim stand up to the bullies is fun, but obviously his arc takes him way too far along that line. Mm-hmm. I'd say I say cross that line way early. I was, I, I've said this before. I was sympathetic to him first time round. Not all the by the end, no. But when I watched it the second time round, I was like, yeah, I, I viewed him very differently second time. Yeah, round. we've had this discussion. I, I generally yeah. think he's just a baddie. Uh, last up for this week, we have Nimrod Hicks. Uh, dear, more often than not, enthralling. You just made the list. You just made the list, yeah. <laughs> He's already on it. Well, I think that one's a compliment, actually. More often than not, enthralling. Yeah, that's a, that's a compliment, that it's one. It's a bit always enthralling. Well, he's still on the list anyway for the other ones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, great show and debut from Candy last week. Oh, well, thank I found you. myself shouting at the speaker, it's Rage Against the Machine, not Rise. How is no one picking stick up on this until I Googled and found a band I'd never heard of? I felt like a proper Nimrod. Rise <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> against. Yeah. As for TV jerks, there is an endless list. Basil Fawlty, Blackadder, Bottoms, Richie and Eddie, and Arnold J. Rimmer, to name uh, but a few. However, my vote goes to Adina Monsoon and Patsy Stone from Absolutely Fabulous. Oh, yeah. yeah. They are both total jerks, but so oh. lovable and hilarious, pure comedic genius. Yuppies. Where, where's oh. the bollet, darling? Oh, <laughs> they are, oh, they are jerks. Oh, that I forgot poor about all the time. Just- Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, Eddie's daughter is just she's the most put upon character in British sitcom oh, God, history. I know, <laughs> I know. It's a and 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 of and of course the, the the main jerks were absolutely fabulous. Or whoever decided to greenlight the film because it was dreadful. I've never seen it. Is it really bad? So bad. They oh. always are, though, aren't they? Every time they, they do these these like they don't need to do it. British sitcoms and they turn them into a film. They're just they're just terrible. Yeah, yeah, probably yeah, yeah. More often than not, they don't work, shit, aren't they? Full length thing, they're just 20 minutes, half an yeah. hour shows. It's the reason yeah. why they're sitcoms, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. it. Yeah, you're right, mate. You're right. So, is that but, everything? Uh, yeah, that's everything in the mailbag. 
Excellent, excellent. So we'll move on to Stig with a, a the socials and a brief glimpse on what we'll be doing next week. Mm-hmm. So you can find us on Twitter at Modern Escapism. On there, you'll find the link to all of our episodes, socials, and Discord. If you have any comments, you can either tweet us or email us at modernescapismpod at gmail.com. Uh, if you like to watch gaming streams, you can come and watch us at twitch.tv forward slash modernescapism. Oodles, I have no idea what he's doing. Neither do I. G- Gadget, I have no idea what he's doing. <laughs> we, are, we are so prepared. Yeah, by the, by the time this has come out, I'll have... I'll, Probably doing a bit of Hades. I think I'm going to try and push. Mm. I've got I've got my save from the Switch, so I'm I'm a, I'm a fair chunk through it. I've but promised still... Banjo Kazooie as well. So yeah, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to just do do a few a few weeks of streams of Hades and see if I can finally fucking escape the underworld. You'll do it. Yeah. You'll do it. Yeah. So Gadget is doing some solo streams the next few weeks while I do the Loki spoiler specials. Record them, and then as ever, Biggie will be uh, carrying on his Dark Souls stream. No, I'm restarting Final Fantasy VII again. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, we won't be able to see the first opening FMV, I'm sure. That'll, that'll, be, that'll be cut out. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we also, as Oodles talked about at the uh, start of the show, we have uh, a Patreon. So you can go to patreon.com forward slash modern escapism. On there, you'll find the three tiers, £5 for the modern escapees, uh, and five pound for Scott Sheep, or seven pound fifty for the Biggie Bundle, which gets you everything in, in both bundles. Uh, tomorrow, as this goes out, our second episode of Scott Sheep will be out Ooh, for yeah. non-Patreons. Yeah. And next week, we are going to talk about failed tech that we loved. I'm so looking forward to this. Oh yeah, me too. This is going to yeah. be so good. I already have the two things in mind that I want to talk about. So yeah. Yeah, so anything the from Nintendo 64 years gone by that <laughs> you some tech that you loved that just fell on its ass and never took off. Let us know what you loved about it. And as ever, leave us those five star reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you uh, listen to us. Excellent. If you don't, you make the list. Yes. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much. If you don't do all that Stig's ass, you're a jerk. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. So uh, thank you for listening. If you're a patron, keep listening. Uh, But for everyone else, in my opinion, we don't devote nearly enough scientific research to finding a cure for jerks. Thank you and good night. You know what? I was honestly expecting a message saying, Mr. Bean's my ex. (laughs) (laughs) One of the few that isn't. Mm. (laughs) He'd have destroyed you. You'd have been dead. Yeah, I wouldn't shag Bean.